I guess we're live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the producer didn't tell us we're live, but I hope all the Counter-Strike fans all over the world uh, are listening and we can fire Lucas already. We literally just started on a lull, but uh, he is floundering for excuses on why he didn't notify <laughs> us that things had started. But we're here, we're ready to go. And uh, first of all, Prof, you're smiling. How are you doing? Uh, it's good. It's a, it's summer officially started. Can't be, can't be mad. Officially put it down. That's fair enough. Striker, similar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's like 30 degrees outside and about 28 inside, so that's about it. No AC or my feelings. No. No okay, AC well, here. I have, third, uh, third world. I have about five different AC units in my house, so I, I'm pretty cool right now. But one thing that isn't going to be cool is this podcast because I've come in today with a lot of vitriol, a lot of rage, a lot of anger built up here, and I really just want to slam basically as many different people as I can. So today's going to be fun. Um, first of all, someone's holding their motherfucking mic down and it's giving me feedback on TeamSpeak. Whoever that is, thank God it stopped. All right, next point here before I get even <laughs> angrier is... We have a vote going on, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where the link is. I don't know what the link is. Apparently, it's above Striker's head. That's all I know. But we need to work out who or what or something to do with your opinion. It's not anything we usually ask for, but you guys get to vote for what we're going to talk about as our final topic. You can see here, Cloud9 rumored roster, Ghost fall apart, NIG predictions, and not so sunny implying, what the fuck is Sunny doing? So you get an opportunity throughout this podcast. I will be reminding you after every major topic, if you want to hang around and catch that, it will be our last topic to talk about. So we'll be covering that. But let's get stuck into things pretty much straight away. First topic here for today's podcast of HTTP Confirmed episode 21 is the hot takes from EPL. If you missed it, it went down over the weekend. Liquid won against G2, the French showing some decent form from pretty much out of nowhere. Um, obviously, Dallas things were looking not too shabby for them at all, but we didn't expect them to make it this far. Um, so the first point, and we'll get with the hot ones because we can get through these quick, and I'm going to do it in this yay versus nay format. And if we have any naysayers or yay sayers and not the consensus, uh, we will dive into more depth. Will Liquid win the Intel Grand Slam is the first point. Prof, yay or nay? Yay. Striker, yay or nay? Striker, yay. All right. Well, I'm going to go with yay as well. Now, do either of you want to take the floor on this one and, and, and I, post I'll your rationale? It. All right. Give I'll, it to look. us. The thing is, um, I think Carmack put it, it would have been like the most, the biggest choke in, in the, the whole of history ever for them not to take the, the Intel Grand Slam because they have seven chances. They have to win one out of the next seven tournaments because they won the first three of the second season of Intel Grand Slam. So for them not to win one out of the next fucking seven tournaments that are, that, that are included in the Intel Grand Slam, which is even like... Tournaments like IEM Chicago, which are obviously well, that's I guess that's that's a pretty bad, uh, um, uh, a bad one to mention just because it's actually this has the pretty decent teams. But some of these uh, sanctioned tournaments for the Intel Grand Slam aren't, uh, and I guess IEM Chicago actually does fall into that category into the, like one of the lower ones because it's just eight teams. It's one of the smaller tournaments compared to like a Dreamhack Masters Dallas or like a Cologne, which obviously Cologne will have like the biggest competition that we've probably had. In, in all of 2019, almost including the majors. So, um, so yeah, that's that's about the the rationale. Like they they just have to win one of the next uh, seven, and they actually have a really good chance of doing it. Like maybe not four in a row, just because of Cologne being super high. Uh, but with with Chicago following up following up on that, I feel like okay. by the end of July they will get there. 
That 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 will probably let's change the confines of the discussion we're having here because I think that all of us could probably get behind them winning one of the next seven ESL events, right? I think we can all get behind that rationale that they could do that. Let's change the confines of what we're talking about here and let's do the whole yay versus nay process yet again. Do we think that they will win the Intel Grand Slam before the player break? That means they'd have to win in either Cologne or Chicago. And just for everybody at home who may not be knowing, Cologne is actually the most stacked event we'll have all year, um, arguably even more stacked than the majors and uh chicago has renegades g2 vitality uh i'm forgetting a team mibr MIBR, MIBR. and then the last two two qualifier qualifier teams yeah Yeah, so with those two tournaments coming up do we think that liquid will take either one of those before and win the million dollars within the first six months of the year well i guess it's i think that that is their best chance especially considering their form right now and considering Chicago isn't that stacked as we already said if they don't win either of these events then I believe they can actually go on and not win it because then they only have five events other teams are going to be picking up some some titles maybe they fall fall off in form a lot of things could happen in the meantime but I I think if they if they're going to win it they win it now it's going to be clean and easy and that's going to be the the easiest way to do it like ever because winning a tournament isn't isn't something that randomly happens. You really have to work for it. Even if it's like one of the lesser stacked ESL events, it's going to be fairly hard to win it. Okay, so you're on the EA train. Striker, I assume you're I'm also on the, on the EA I'm train. I'm on the EA train as well. Yeah. Same, same rationale, really. I even think like they will do it in Cologne already. Save for, obviously, we will have like another show. At least I think we will have another show before Cologne because we yeah, have Saturday. like another week. Uh, but yeah, just I'm just going to say, now I feel like they will do it there already just because of... Um, the context of everything they just beat Astralis in a uh, in a series of course it was pretty close and, and it could have easily gone Astralis' way if they didn't fuck up Vertigo uh, and then um, there's no other real competition uh, maybe outside of like Kanabi who are who are like a question mark and I don't think Vitality will beat them in like it will go on such a massive round that they will make another final at such a hugely stacked, stacked, stacked event and basically I don't see anybody else maybe aside from like Ents another like semi- uh, dark horse type team that that could take it from them so i feel like that's they will already do it in cologne and if not chicago is, is i feel like is a given all right well let's whack a bow on this topic the last point i think we'd make about liquid at least from my perspective is i i do also think that they have the huge opportunity to win it uh, in either cologne or in chicago but i think liquid's worst enemy is is actually themselves um and i think that's because in certain situations in certain maps it feels like maybe they get a little bit lackadaisical about their approach and they take their foot off the gas um there's so many games that i've watched where they've let let the other team back in or they haven't been able to close and it's made it exciting cs look it's great to watch but it's also uh, i want them with the depth of the firepower in that team and the work ethic that they currently have right now just to fucking destroy everybody i want them to be rolling on in i want them to just be some fucking six foot five super <laughs> tanned you know dark head chiseled jawline blue eyes fucking abs galore muscles every walking in and he's just grabbing every girl i just want liquid coming in just fucking taking everybody's bitches that's what i well, want liquid to be that's the level that we haven't seen from them right we haven't seen that astralis level of dominance or even like phase of, of like ending of 2017 where they just dominated uh, a couple of tournaments in a row where nobody even had a chance right that's like a level that we haven't seen from liquid before um not yet anyway because they like just look at it TSL Pro League, like, like the final there, they should have been like massive favorites against G2 and they really had to work hard for it. They had to go through a couple of overtimes. 
so on two maps even like i mean not all three finals were like this the yeah, yeah, one, exactly. the fanatic one and gg2 it doesn't matter who that's, it is that's what it's i'm saying it doesn't even matter like they they are clearly still like way they have ways to go to to go on these like massively dominant runs and that's not to say it's um that's not to say they haven't been great they have just because they've actually been able to win events and now consecutively as well because they won the last three events three big events that they played in so um yeah that's i think i think liquid simply isn't the team this liquid with stewie simply isn't a team that is going to be mega consistently dominant against anyone we see them struggle not struggle but have close matches against lower teams we saw it against hellraisers for example i think just the way they are now that they replaced taco with stewie they have like a higher ceiling they have like explosiveness but they maybe lack a bit of that just like mega structured robot that can just destroy smaller teams but what they got is obviously with astralis falling off they got three titles in a row and they're the best team in the world right now so i think for now the trade-off is working working quite well but i, I think it's just like a stylistic thing about liquid right I, now that well, look, at, are, look at what phase did like two years ago that's what i was talking about earlier like they they obviously didn't have any sort of um like ultra structure style there was just everybody being on point and really really highly skilled and this is basically what liquid is now um perhaps even better when you look at like what the individual players peak are peaks are because like literally everybody on that team can take over games take can take over a single singular game so if more people do it at the same time and more consistently across the entire event we could definitely see a a, a phase type like dominant run uh, I actually would would say that I think that they're much more well organized than Phase Clan. When I oh, yeah, of course. when I watch them play, like it's these little details, right? Like I I went in about four hours early to broadcast on the Sunday because I was just doing most of those stand up segments, so I wanted to prep a lot of stuff. And Dust Two was the one I focused on because I knew that that game with G Two definitely was going to be on Dust Two, and they like best of five G Two were always going to pick it. Unfortunately, G Two had the first pick, which meant I didn't have time in the opening segment to cover it. But I was looking at just little details, and one of the big takeaways for me was a, a strat that G Two would always run to if they were having trouble was that spawn based long strat right getting that player out getting him into pit and i wanted to see what liquid had if anything to stop that and i and i went through a bunch of their demos and when they do like their bonus rounds and they stack four players there just the fact that in every single scenario even if a player is like in a position where he can't fight he always has a flash ready or like they're always so aware man like the little details the awareness to help each other especially on their ct sides it's fucking unreal and it's details that nobody viewer at home unless if you're one of the people watching the stream right now and you go back and you watch the, the actual demo in go tv then you might be catching some of what i'm talking about if you're watching the broadcast you are literally seeing none of it we do not highlight the tactical element of being a supportive player in situations because we're focused on showing you guys the kills because that's the, the most exciting thing but every single little detail that i look for from my perspective as like a, an analyst is to give you what you don't see on the broadcast and i was trying to look for as many of those details as possible um, but yeah, I, I think that like there's somewhere in between like an Astralis and somewhere in between a phase. Like, you know, those they have those ranges. They definitely have strategies, man. Like you look at some of the shit that they're throwing out there. It's so much more than what like phase have ever had. But I think that they have more skill on their team than what Astralis do individually. I like the only thing that they have they don't have that Astralis has is a primary orper who is good but stewie feels like he's picking up that all more and more i don't know if you guys have any more on the liquid topic or are we feeling quite uh quite good with that one i think we kind of rounded it up 
All right, so we're gonna we're gonna move forward to the next big takeaway from the Pro League Finals, and obviously that is their counterpart in the Grand Final, and that was G two on home soil in Montpellier, France, and that was uh, I guess you could argue an overperformance. Uh, their side of the bracket wasn't the most difficult run in the world, uh, but they beat the teams they had to. You look at their run in the entire tournament; really, not the most difficult run. Um, but the main thing that matters here is how they performed in the Grand Final. Kenny was relatively consistent throughout. He only had that he had that bad map in the final on overpass, but they got absolutely destroyed. So whatever. And he had that was it the Cloud Nine game on overpass as well in the group stage, I think, where he had like a zero point something rating. Yeah, he he. Anyway, he had very few bad maps, but Kenny was back in form. So the G two takeaway here that we want to discuss, and we'll do the yay and nay shit, and then we'll go through it again. But. First of all, do we think that that performance from G2 is repeatable? Now, maybe not in the sense of making it to the grand final of another tournament like that, but having Kenny play at that level, having Jax play at that level, having Amit, like Amanek didn't win as many clutches as what he did in Dallas, at least from the eye test, um, but having them play as that level as a team, right? So do we think they can do that again, Striker, yay or nay? Um, I'm going to say nay just because of, of I know Kenny, yes, and we've seen like, hints of his old form like every now and again even in, like in the older g2 but he was never never able to do this like on a consistent basis like from tournament to tournament and i feel like kenny S was such a i'm sorry except in 2015 well, yeah, <laughs> that's what i mean like the, the we haven't seen that consistently for for a couple of years now where he's like consecutive he's able to take over consecutive games of course now he had a lot of help like Jax actually was i feel like well, shocks, of course, but um, but we kind of expected from him. But Jax, I feel like, was like the third star that I didn't necessarily expect at this uh, at this tournament. Uh, but my point is, I don't think Kenny S will be at this level at the next tournament or maybe like two tournaments from now. Like he's not going to be able to keep this up, I don't think, just because of the type of player and and kind of like the, his mood swings um, and stuff like that. I don't think I just don't think he's the the kind of a player anymore that will be able to take over games or, or like consecutive tournaments. Okay, uh, Prof, what do you think? Yeah or no? Oh, Kenny S is a 50-year-old woman with mood swings. <laughs> Striker age on TV. Uh, I, say, I say nay, just like, but not, not like a massive nay, but like a borderline nay. Just because of similar reasons. Mostly Kenny S, because this tournament was Kenny S, more or less. I, I think that the other players definitely contributed, but Kenny S was the foundation that they could build into this point, right? Like he pulled them out of so many holes, like the shots that he were hitting, it was reminiscent of the Kenny that we used to know and love, right? Um, just building on your point there, Striker, I think that it is important to touch on the fact that now Vitality are playing well. Now, before Vitality started playing well, we probably all would have argued that just off on paper, G2 were the better French team. They were playing in the better tournaments. Obviously, they were or still in the Pro League while Vitality had to start from the beginning. Then Vitality had that run, Zywoo is the fucking bee's knees. I feel like, legitimately, this is no word of a lie, that having that, if I was Kenny, probably one of the best players of all time, like in for a period of time, and then having some like fucking French kid just rock up playing FPL and then just start destroying everybody and getting all the attention, that would probably motivate me because... Let's be honest, if you're doing what these players are doing and your whole point of, of this is to be a player and, and then you become a star and then you get attention and you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people following you on Twitter, you're getting all this shit coming your direction, 
that's a pretty contagious feeling, especially for a young person. Do you know and what? Then, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. To, to, I just want to build up, build on this point because I actually agree with what you're what you're saying that Kenny is this this type of a player as well, who would just get motivated by some other uh, French player just suddenly dominating the competition. Because I just remember this talk with him. Maybe this is maybe like two years back. I definitely I don't think he'll he'll, he'll mind me saying this um, because he was a little bit salty about not winning like a French. Uh, Vokarm, I think it was, have like a yearly French vote on who's going to be host, who was the best French player of that year or something. I think that that that's what it is. And basically, Kenny S was salty about not winning it in a year where he was obviously the best French player. Like hands down, he he was, and he was only voted as the best best opera or something like that from the country and not the best player overall. And he was a little bit salty about that. So I can I can definitely see him uh, being that type of a player who would just get hyped up a little bit more. Um, just on the basis of of, of Zawood starting to dominate everybody. Yeah, so my point here is I think Kenny, like having somebody else or having another team, you know, kind of rivaling his position or whatever would motivate him to to get back into performing well. And now that he's been able to do this, hopefully they're able to continue that. Um, But I I think the sentiment here is this wasn't a fluke by G2. They didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, they've done a fucking cloud nine of the major. This is a situation where I think that they performed well in the basis of, of one entire tournament. It was a long stretch, right, that they, they were able to do that over. Because, But also, if you look at the teams they played, they didn't realistically beat any world beaters. Like, honestly. Yeah. I think well, the, the phase played, beat. like, the worst ever. Like, they played so I feel like the, the phase series is actually the one that I'm kind of the most impressed by just because they... Phase had no chance. Like there was, there was no point in the series where I thought Phase Phase could they win. Phase, you're right, and you're right that Phase. Like I think Phase underperformed, but in a sense, it was G two just like not even letting them into the into the game. Like Phase had a really hard time getting into the game, and not necessarily. I'm I'm not gonna say by their own fault because obviously, like you have to, um, you kind of have to underperform to let a team do this to you. But at the same time, G two just played so well in that series, both individually and even team wise. A lot of great calls. Um, that I that I caught and, and just like caught phase off guard in, in ways that I wouldn't have expected. So that was the most impressive series, maybe outside of the final, of course. That was just a lot more close than than anybody would have expected. I think. I want to right. I want to do this quite quickly for this uh, Nintra person who's obviously a French fan. They beat NRG, who beat Astralis and stomped Phase. All right. Well, first of all, NRG played the entire event with a stand-in, played a lot looser than they actually would have. They weren't actually practicing with the in-game leader they were using. And guess what? In that game where NRG beat Astralis, that game almost has nothing on the line other than going straight forward to the semifinals. And if you think a team like Astralis really cares about getting straight to the semifinals, them twice though okay oh, actually sure. energy, be- energy beat g2 first and then g2 beat energy in the semis yeah but we're talking about g2 uh, we're talking about energy beating astralis right that's what oh, he's that, basing okay. this off, no, off right? No, right, right, right yeah so he's he's basing his entire rant off the fact that they nrg beat astralis not actually g2 beating astralis anyway his point is ridiculous and if he thinks that, that is a repeatable performance then he's got to have a fucking look in the mirror because there's a reason that it just appeared out of nowhere. You know, th- this isn't a consistent growth, right? It doesn't just it doesn't just click overnight. These things take time. Counter-Strike right now hasn't been played to this level. I've got Henry and Moses here with me, and we'll talk about this at lunch. We're talking about the details. We talk to the coaches. We talk to the players. We talk about all the stuff they're doing. It's not the same game it was a year ago. It's not the same game it was two years ago. The preparation that these teams are looking into, honestly... 
for a fake situation, Henry was telling me he was talking to someone. When they know this team throws a smoke and it lands a certain way on Banana and Inferno, they know it's a fake because they, it's a different player throwing it and the smoke is thrown a different way. Because those two players who throw it when it's an execute versus when it's a fake throw the smokes completely differently. G2, what they did was fantastic. They played really well. We're not taking anything away from them. Get Wrap your little fucking brain around that one. What we're saying is it's probably not repeatable on a long scale. That's what we're saying. And if you can't stomach that as an opinion, then you as an individual have internal biases that you need to fucking address, mate, because you're obviously a fan of that team. And that's what you take into this conversation. Guess what? The three of us right here, we're impartial. Striker doesn't give a fuck who wins. Prof doesn't give a fuck who wins. My paycheck does not give a fuck who wins. The only thing that matters to me is watching good Counter-Strike. And that's all we're talking about here. So have a little fucking think. Take your French fucking baguette out of your ass and just move on with it. And guess what? I've done this one not in a super aggressive way and being really mean. I've actually just schooled you on logic. So shut the fuck up. Okay? Outside We're trying to talk to people here. Baguette, it is ass, by the way. Yeah, but we need a little bit of that in here. The guy people, left the chat like 10 minutes ago. He <laughs> just wrote that. And pe- left. People just need to use their brain, right? This People just need to use their brain. Anyway, are we almost done with the G2 topic? Because I'm getting yeah, fucking tilted. I just wanted to touch on the whole in-game leading thing. I, I'm not going to be passing a big judgment, but I think it's interesting, and a lot of people didn't pick up on it originally, that... Like Amanek is now the right hand of Malik as the coach and he's doing a lot of the, like the way he described it is essentially is Sharks doesn't want to know a lot of details and when he knows a lot of details that impacts him negatively. So the coach goes through Amanek and gives him like the pre-match and all of the info. So then mid-round Amanek can kind of help out with those things. And I, I just think it's interesting that they're kind of copying that dual in-game leadership thing from Vitality. And not even where it's going to go, I have no idea. This is like dating back to 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 NBK and uh, and Happy, and just just generally to shocks being shocks and just like being sick of in game leading every like yeah cyc- cyclically every six months or something or whatever it is. So that's that's kind of what it is. That's also another reason why I would why I feel like um, what G two are being here is not not a, not particularly sustainable, just because yeah. the in game in game leadership situation is just going to pop up again. Just if it happens, right. if they if they deliver again, God bless, I'll say, okay, they're becoming a sick team. I think they have some good elements, and I think Jax is kind of important in their team. And Amonica, obviously, I think it's cool, but I'm not going to be, be on the hype train yet. Look, look here's, here's the best thing about all of this. If they do sustain this level, and we've got uh, Astralis hungry to play again, FaZe are looking better, we're obviously going to go through all these teams. Let's just say, like, all the teams we're going to go through, everybody's looking good, then we are going to enter one of the most competitive eras of Counter-Strike, and that is what we would all love to see. Nobody would want to see that more than fucking us right here. This is all we do with our lives. The three of us, we wake up, we fucking watch Counter-Strike, we go to bed, we watch Counter-Strike. This is all we fucking do, okay? It's also fun every- just to see Vitality G2 and just that rivalry on the local scene because, that. like, once Vitality uh, went on that, that round a couple of tournaments ago, like, there was no question that they were by far the better team compared to G2, who have just been struggling for months ever since. Well, well that's the question now. Like, who, who is the better? Do we think, like, still by far Vitality G2, is the better I, I, team? I think Can G2 far, challenge them? I do think it's by far Vitality still just because of G2. Uh, this being this being kind of an outlier for G2 at least for now, as as far as we know. So if if they manage to repeat this as Vitality had, um, I feel like then we can have a discussion. But for for the time being, I think Vitality still pretty clearly hold the crown. 
All right, let's move this one forward onto Mouse Sports. So Mouse Sports, we were talking about, uh, we want to talk about their ceiling and how far they can go. Now, they're doing a fantastic job of trying to manage expectations and saying that they're being overhyped, et cetera, in interviews, which uh, it depends on where that's coming from. Now, if that's coming from a world of sensible individuals like the majority of Counter-Strike <laughs> pundits out there who would maybe go, yeah, Mouse Sports look like a pretty competitive top team in the world. That is a completely reasonable thing to say. But if you're coming out here and you're saying mouse sports top five team in the world all right let's decompile a couple of little a lot of people were saying that they literally were expecting them to like beat everyone win tournaments just like this even though they didn't show anything like that yet yeah it's a little bit problematic to think that especially when you have okay woxic i think is a fantastic individual right and we saw some really good things out of him on that competitive new game that they had but he is new to that level of uh stage you know that's that's a different thing for him uh you've obviously got frozen it's new to him as well of course uh it's still a very new team when you look at this i was rifling out how long these teams have been together quite consistently on broadcast right and it for a lot of these teams it hasn't been a long period of time so for them just to go into these tournaments to have good performances I think a big part of some of these events they've been to is the omission of other teams Australis for example um, but for them right now they're well and truly a competitive top 10 team do we see any potential for them to break into the top 5 as a consistent team and and, and if you do say yay or nay to this one we'll go with uh, Prof this time round give me the teams if you say nay you don't think they can break in give me the teams you think who would be above them within that that scope uh, I think Ooh. Just give me a second. I need to need to assess this like bottom part of the top ten because well, now, part, now like Liquid, Astralis, Ants. I'd put Navi. Those are are the like top teams for me. And then then they can be maybe the fifth team, but I'm not sure they can be be like higher than that. And it's hard to put like there are ten teams that want to be the fifth team right now. Like Vitality, Furia, Phase. I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna say my BR right now. It's I feel r- like this team, there, fanatic. This team might struggle with the same problems that the old Mossports had, in the sense of, especially Chris J. I feel like just because of of kind of his inconsistencies, because he's the type of a player that actually Liquid were able to shut down pretty easily, uh, while other teams weren't weren't quite able to, as we saw in um, basically over the course of the entire Pro League, and then they they met up against Liquid and didn't really have a have a reasonable chance. Like that new game, of course. Um, ended up being really, really close just because it went to overtime, but it shouldn't. It really shouldn't have. And I feel like the um, Liquid were just able to to kind of combat the style that most sports had, and that's why I feel like they will have a rough time staying around that, I mean, or like getting higher than like a top five. There, there is the issue for me in their roster. Uh, Sponge, what what do you say, yeah or nay, before you go any deeper? As in, will it uh, top five? I, yeah. I, I think top ten, top like. Like top ten, but fighting for that. I think fifth like position borderline top is, five is, is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like there's a lot of teams who are always going to be vying for that position, right? I, I think it's very difficult with the language barrier for them to ever be like break in and be a consistent top three. For me, there's also like they have a sick team, but they also don't have a superstar player. When you compare them to other teams, and you can put like Simple, Nico, uh, whatever. Liquid doesn't doesn't have like one player. They have like three sick sick individuals but the, the, like it's not like they have the same level of three sick individuals i think like twists twist nav probably superstar borderline at, dif- at different levels different times but when you when you look at woxic frozen rops they're good players but they didn't show anything of that level yet 
Rops is starting to like he hasn't been able to take over games like he's not having like a performance where he's literally just shredding the entire server it's also not that type of a role that's the problem yeah like he's not like a nico who will just be able to like move around the map and and create plays for himself because he's just not in those positions so for for Rops, he's going to be consistent in his roles like in his it's like relatively passive positions but that's not a position from which you you can take over games consistently i mean for me it has to be voxic simply simply just exploding and having his his best best year yet like he's been on the on the fringe of like that top 20 last year before that he's been pretty impressive at times but didn't have that much exposure to top events i, I found it like kind of unbelievable that this was his first semi-final at a big event because he's been around and been playing pretty well for for so long but i think that is the that is the key point if walks can become a uh, insane player then this team can be a consistent top five otherwise i don't think so all right well mouse sports the jury is still out let's keep on moving to a place where maybe the jury is uh well coming to a a bit of a conclusion because fanatic and phase we have two of these teams here i i suppose fanatic not making it out of the groups yet again considering their trajectory that they looked like they're on after the iam sydney grand final and the star series grand final uh, they're not living up to to that expectation obviously more teams have been coming into these tournaments of higher caliber uh, and then of course phase so let's start with fanatic and then we'll, we'll touch on the phase stuff fanatic for you guys this time we'll start with mr striker actually no we started with striker before prof we'll start with you fanatic is this roster in need of a change or do you, or do you think there's another issue going on right now? Uh, I haven't. I honestly don't understand why they are suddenly so bad. But at the same time, I do because they're just that's their play style, I guess. But at the same time, one of the issues was always the opping, and I think it still is. And then if individuals that need to be the impact players on the team don't deliver, which happened with like JW Twist in a couple of events then the team just falls apart and that's more or less what what's happening here uh i think i was against them making a roster change for quite some time but i think now could be a good time to do so but they're i it seems like they're not doing it which is kind of sad but obviously it's just like knock as the upper would be a good pick and other other than that i, I don't think it's a big systemic problem for them. Uh, Swedish Counter-Strike is definitely in need of uh, some AWPers right now, right? I think yeah. that they, neither team has a good primary AWPer. Um, for me, Fnatic, I do not like the style of Counter-Strike that they play. It requires all five of their individuals to be playing at least 80% of their level to be competitive. Uh, and and I, I think that, you know, we're talking about this in the chat we had the other day and, and, and we're talking with Peter about Twist and how when he gets to the, the big stages and stuff that he doesn't seem to perform very well in those kind of environments. And maybe that's something as to one of the reasons why he didn't want to go to a bigger team earlier. You know, maybe he, he has issues like anxiety or something along those lines and maybe performing in front of a large uh, group of people because he's someone who has a lot of talent um, but it just never seems to come to fruition when they need it. He's the player in that team who who should really be the third star. I think JW's start, like his style is is too up and down. It really relies on him really feeling the game. Berlin and Crims are like the solid base, like Crims and Berlin could go off, but they need one more player. And that, that has to be twist in my mind. Um, so for me, it's playbook and potentially a roster a roster change. But at the same time, NIP uh, in a mess. I think it's Swedish CS is just in a bit of a, a limbo period right now. Strike, you got anything to add? 
Um, not really. Definitely agree with the fact that Twists is not... The thing is, like, he's also been around for so long. Maybe not particularly at the top, top level. But, like, his career dates back, like, six fucking six years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, when he started with... Um, fuck, now I'm blanking with the name. LGB. LGB, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. And so, like, do we really expect him to, to improve on this in, in any, like... Um, definitive way can he actually improve from this so far he hasn't really shown it he has had tournaments where he's shown a, a much better level than what he has like overall but he's just inconsistent as hell like it, it's, th it's that were the tournaments when Fnatic actually did good so that's why I think yeah. it's that that he is the problem like he's the solution and the problem at the same time so yeah agreed with with everything that has been said but yeah he, he's he played the first major actually with SK I, I can't really that is not in my mind, but the second one was with LGBT. Uh, it's like SK remembers. with with was the first, and first stuff. like SK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like Delpan, I think. I played against them. Yeah, I played against them at MSI. Beat it uh, the week before the major uh, in in China. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, anyway, we're gonna move uh, to the phase discussion. Striker, we'll leave. We'll let you start with this one. Phase right now. Obviously, we've seen them in in still. It's only a handful of of games. Do you think that this is a permanent path that they're on right now? Because it's just been announced that they will be sticking with Neo for the major. Do you think this is something that could carry phase back to top five success? I. Look, I'm gonna put them in the same. Well, maybe maybe slightly above. No, fuck it. I'm going to put them in the same bracket as, as most sports in the sense that I don't see them overcoming like this top five that we have right now or like close to the top five that I, I, I kind of agree with with what Prof said. As long as Navi uh, go up to their former level and, and, and Boomich actually works out, like then we're going to have like Liquid Astralis and Navi and then potentially like Vitality or somewhere on the on the brink. And FaZe we're going to be, are going to be somewhere around that level. I don't think they're going to break into the top three with uh, what they have right now, it would just take a massive step up from the from the individuals. Like all of a sudden, like sure we have seen some, but not enough for for this to 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 be reminiscent of the old phase that I was talking about earlier. That was able to dominate tournaments. I don't think this is the year for them to um, to pull it off with a with a lineup such as this. With that being said, I do think they're on the up, uh, despite the the quarterfinal that they played against G two, which was. That, that was pretty awful and and judging by the interview that we had with Nico he doesn't even know like why what the hell happened there and he kind of seemed like he's not even sure if it was like Neo's fault if it was like the um if they can't just pull it out this playstyle online like consistently or whatever it is because yeah I don't know either but I don't think that they're going to be able to to break into the top three yeah, I can I can see lack of depth in their playbook as well. Like on that Dust Two game when they ran out of the solutions and their strat was like the what they always go to, have Neo and Rain run down middle and like Shox is like, Well, everything else doesn't work, so I'm just gonna play close mid doors. North did the exact same thing to them, right? Like I think it's depth of, of, of playbook at the moment that they need to work on and that's something that comes with time. You got anything for me, prof? I just wanted to I'm I don't have the exact math, but just like looking at it, this is top five worst event career for Nico, literally ever including like playing in i nation mouse sports ever just individually so poor and i feel like that interview that he gave on the on the on the stream he was really trying to not make it sound that neo is to blame 
and he did it so much that it seemed like he was trying to hide something at the same time and people are starting to say like why is he blaming neo it's so obvious that he wants neo out and the classic like nico is toxic and he's gonna kick the in-game leader again <laughs> but I, i'm not really sure that that's the case uh but obviously something is going going bad and i, I if Nico is not performing, you as the in-game leader surely are not in a good position. Like this guy performs all the time, and then you come in and he's not doing what he usually does. Is this your fault? Maybe it's not, but everyone's going to be looking at Neo and saying like, yeah. what, what is he doing right now? Like, so why did he break him?" Just to just to maybe play devil's advocate of that one with Yanko as the in-game leader. Uh, sorry, Yanko as the coach. I don't think that he would allow that to happen right yeah. like that would at least be my thought process because obviously i'm not saying yanko would do any favoritism towards nico actually fuck it if i was a coach of phase i would um i you would want your star player at least to be able to be producing uh, at 80 percent of what he can offer right on a consistent basis so obviously there's been role changes position changes we've seen that there's some little bits and pieces going on um i think there's probably an adjustment period from nico when he was being told what to do to nico calling the shots with Carrigan still on the team and being like, no, we're doing this, to having an in-game lead and understanding how much of a workload it physically is and then to now having to wrestle back in that direction. Um, so it's probably still just another another thing of time. But I really like the fact that we're seeing a lot more structured CS out of them. It's just we're not in a time anymore where it's like we had the brawl ECS where four spying was capable because of the tech nines and the five sevens and that kind of shit. Except not, if you watch the, the last game of the grand final, then... Yes, <laughs> and, and literally the, twelve rounds in a row. That was ridiculous, right? That was that was wild. But I also think we're probably past the time where you can just have five sick individuals, like solely sick individuals. Because I think the Liquid is sick. I think Astralis is sick. I think you know a lot of these teams have very skilled players. But I, what I mean is, you, there's more to it now. Your workload is no longer just playing aimbots your workload is understanding every detail about not only what you're doing what you're bringing to strategies what your teammates are bringing to strategies and what the opponent's doing i think it's a lot more detailed now so probably just a, a more time needed to diagnose phase and coming into cologne i think people need to set their expectations there's a very high probability we're going to go over this on saturday there's a very high probability that a lot of your teams who you think are sick are not going to make the playoffs because we have almost all of the best teams in the world in attendance so get I'm actually fucking- surprised um, and this is does doesn't necessarily apply to face um specifically but just in general to to basically any upcoming team i'm a little bit surprised that nobody's trying to to replicate what liquid is doing in terms of playstyle. i mean like you know heavily trade like trade heavy kind of playstyle. phase i guess a little bit like that but not not close enough for it to matter or for, for it to actually be reminiscent of, of what liquid is doing because i feel like it's actually not such a hard playstyle to replicate compared to such a thing as as maybe Astralis who are just so heavy on, on team play that it's just going to be for individual players like an eco or, or somebody like that it would just be very hard to um, to get used to like not you know having so much space for, for individual plays but in, in Liquid's playstyle there actually is quite quite a lot of space but at the same time you know it's it's very like together and and, and constricted so I feel like it would be it would actually do phase a lot of good to look at what Liquid is doing and try to see if if they can um, tap into that a little bit. Honestly, it's just a thought. Are we uh, all right? Are we all good with phase? Yeah. All right. Let's move on forward here to Tomo formats. Now, before we get stuck into this one, if you are not a fan of listening to me talk, 
if you are not a fan of hearing that, yes, players actually know nothing other than how to fucking shoot heads. If you don't want to listen to me getting quite aggravated and mad, I would shut down and probably come back in 15 to 20 minutes time because this is something which pissed me the fuck off. So we're going to get stuck into this stuff. And first of all, we're going to talk about, we might reverse engineer this a bit. We'll get this out of the way first and foremost. There was a lot of back and forth from people who may or may not think about formats. And guess what? I fucking think about formats. I go, hold up one second. Okay. He just left. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He has a a notebook, I feel like. No, he has a lot of, he has a lot of. All right. All right. You see these, everybody at home? You see these? These are lanyards from tournaments. Okay, maybe I don't play in the fucking semifinals <laughs> of the tournament, but I work with all of the TOs. And guess what? I give them suggestions and I consult and I'm at the tournament and I'm talking about the format and I'm looking at the format and I understand how formats work. Guess what? I fucking know a good format. And just because a player thinks that he wants to go to the playoffs, guess what? They don't want a competitive format. They want the format where they can fuck up the most times before they get knocked out of the tournament. Guess who wants a competitive format? Fucking me. I want a competitive, fair, fair format that offers good Counter-Strike so that you motherfuckers at home can have a fantastic experience. See all those fucking lanyards? That is my life. This is my life. This is all I fucking do. So just shut the fuck up. Anyway, let's get stuck into this. Lucas, pull up the group stage fucking thing from fucking EPL. All right. First of all, people were complaining about the seeding. That is one thing I'm sure all three of us here could agree with. The seeding of this tournament was bad now do we all agree with that sentiment yeah yeah there it could have it could be better wasn't the worst i saw i saw a lot of worse but yeah could be better it was okay. very, i'm not sure which group it actually was group a heavy this is this is group a this is the one that wasn't oh, group, stacked so group b heavy. can you show group b as well lucas just doesn't matter show group b you don't need to show them side by side just show group b okay so you can see Group A, not really that stacked, has Detona versus Heroic as our opening match. That's, that sucks, right? That's not great. This one here, stacked as shit, right? Look at this. We got fucking North versus Liquid, Mouse Sports versus MIBR. We've got like some very competitive teams in here. They're all in this side of the group. Hellraisers versus Lumidossi should never in a million years be an opening group stage game. Why is it like this, ladies and gentlemen? Because the seeding was done based off how they did in the regular season. And for those of you who don't quite understand what I'm saying is, the regular season was over six weeks. It took part many a days before we got to the finals. And where you place in the regular season should definitely impact where you place in the finals. This is not an, this is not an ESO1 Cologne. This is not an all normal IEM Katowice. This is not a star series with the team seeded 1-16 to 16 off the world rankings. This is not whatever other fucking event that you can possibly think of where the tournament is standalone of its own accord. This is an event where we have qualifiers for every single team who needs to be in attendance. There's a relegation system coming from Mountain Dew League. There's all these different bits and pieces that lead us to this point. So first of all, I agree that also this wasn't... Also, it's offline, by the way, just to, just to add on to that. that it's not just like... a a series of online qualifiers that lead into this finals that is true that is true just to note though guys this the reason the teams were done were seated like this was because the 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 buckets let's call them buckets if you placed first place in europe or north america you were placed in the same bucket but you were randomly assigned you were randomly assigned so all the teams who placed first in europe and north america including detona were given the same seed now that 
That is not very well thought out. Now, what I want to suggest to you, and I want this to be clipped, and I want this to be put on the internet so that people can actually talk about it, because guess what? I truly do care about having better formats. This is what I want. So we're going to move on to a thing that I call bucket one. And this is something that I have created for all of you, and we're going to talk about this. Now, this is based off of loose seedings of how things would have been previously. Now, I hope that you really enjoy what we're using here. Now, let me explain this. In the very big bucket in the top left corner, for everybody playing at home. They are for all of the teams who qualify for Pro League first in group phase one in North America and Europe. Now, the reason that Detona has not been included in this bucket is because Latin America should not be included as part of North America slash Europe, right? That part of the world is not as competitive because all of the good Brazilian teams actually live in North America and compete in North America. That is a very important point to listen to. So here you can see I put them in random order. Australis, Maus, Phase, G2, Liquid, Luminosity, NRG. Then if we move our attention across the screen, we can see first in Group Phase 2. That's where you had to come back for another opportunity to qualify. Now, North America and Europe both had more groups of these. The teams that qualified there in no particular order are MIBR, North, Fnatic, and Cloud9. Second in Group Phase 2, which is the same group system we're talking about. This is for Europe only. Teams could qualify in the second position and still qualify for the finals. Europe is allowed more spots in the Pro League finals than North America because there are better European teams and there are North American teams. There's no debate about that. This is where Hellraisers uh, and Heroic placed. And then last but not least, in the final bucket, rest of the world. That's Oceania, Asia, and then obviously I've included Latin America, aka Detona, in that group. Lucas, can you please move us on to the second issue? image with the second image coming up on the screen momentarily i am a little bit here it is okay you can see now ladies and gentlemen what i have done is we have actually done seeding of these teams now before you all get mad right before the teams were seeded based on where on their buckets we're still going to seed the teams based on their buckets but not randomly we'll seed them using world rankings now i couldn't find the world rankings from esl from last week because they've already updated theirs for this week so i loosely tried to remember what it would have looked like in my head now as you can see here liquid number one astralis number two phase number three nrg number four mouse number five g2 number six and luminosity number seven now does that mean that i think that fucking, for whatever reason, Luminosity is a better team than, uh, I don't know, let's pick North, who are in the first in group phase two bucket that you can see on the right-hand side of the screen. No, but in the first bucket, they would be the seventh strongest team. So now if we move our attention over towards that bucket I was just talking about, first in group phase two, NA slash EU, the teams, how they would have been with world ranking seedings. Fnatic would have been the highest ranked team, MIBR would have been the next, North and then Cloud9. We move into second group phase uh, two, EU, Heroic and then Hellraisers, and then the rest of the world should always be seeded on their own accord. So here, Greyhound, they're seeded 14th in this tournament. They're the highest seed out of Tyloo, Detona in the world ranking. So then we have Greyhound, 14th, Tyloo, 15th, Detona, 16th. Lucas, can you show the last picture? So this last picture we have coming up is how the groups would have actually looked if you used a system like what I just suggested. The opening match would have been Liquid versus Detona. There would have been Fnatic versus MIBR. That would have been the follow-up game. NRG versus Hellraisers. And then Maus versus Heroic would be the other side of that 18 bracket. On the other side of things, in Group B, you'd have Astralis versus Tyloo, Luminosity versus North, FaZe versus Greyhound, and G2 versus Cloud9. Don't these groups look a lot fairer, a lot more even in the opening matchups? Doesn't that make a lot more sense for everybody? it does looks, looks pretty good yeah and guess what ladies and gentlemen boys and girls 
This is fucking free. I give this shit to TOs for free because I'm a fucking idiot. But I'm here and I want to suggest this stuff so that we can make tournaments better. But this is a simple system that they can use to make the seeding for next time around even better. And you know what they should do? They should actually fold Latin America into North America. And those teams should go into the North American groups as the lower seeded teams. But guess what? I was just working with the basic framework that they had. And ladies and gentlemen, this isn't hard. I do this with everything. So before these... fucking idiots on the internet decide to go toe-to-toe with me on Twitter when they're not actually thinking more than the fucking front of their nose. I've already thought through 150 million different steps. I'm already there, boys. I've already thought about it all. You're just catching up now. I know the people who work at these tournaments. I know the fact that production are working 14 to 16 hour days waking up and doing it all again. I know the fact that you have to pay for these fucking venues that cost shitloads of money and that you can't play four best of threes in a day anymore because guess what, Pitta? It's not 10 hours of entertainment, mate. It's fucking almost... I don't know, a 16-hour day. And just because your team has to rock up and play one best of three, there are so many other fucking moving parts in this industry. People need to understand all the different shit that goes on. If you're a viewer right now who loves to watch CS, I can almost fucking guarantee you love CS probably on the same par as me. I fucking love this game. If you're here watching this podcast, that means you must fucking like it. Well, I can. I wouldn't go watch 16 hours of CS in a venue. I wouldn't see you out there watching. I would hate you to go sit on one of these seats for 16 hours. This is why we have these formats which offer you better alternatives. They give you a better opportunity to actually have a nice day of viewing so you're not sitting there paying $16 for a fucking hot dog and a Coke and having to ration out your meals. These things here are better for everybody. But instead, we get these players who don't think even more than half a second ahead of their fucking Twitter fingers. Just because they played in semifinals of these tournaments doesn't mean they understand how tournament structures work. Doesn't mean they understand, you know, how many different people need to go into making this venture happen. This is the thing that everybody just needs to relax on. I'm going to shut the fuck up now. Anyway, Prof, is the ESL system flawed with the best of ones in the opening game before I fucking blow a gasket? Obviously <laughs> not. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna somehow go against not. that. But it's the best go. format we have in CS. It's very. It's very stacked in best of threes. It's even, it's kind of even forgiving. Oh, oh, if you lose one best of one, you can still go through. You can still win the tournament. We saw it happening with Navi and Cologne. We saw it happening now with Liquid. If you're the better team, you can go through. You can win the fucking event. It's, it's a great system. It has, like, obviously everyone wants everything to be best of three. It's not that easy to get something like that. Even like, like, like it is, like the group stage... With double matches, it's kind of hard to follow everything. But okay, you get the playoffs. That's the most important part. You get five fucking great, great matches most of the time. Three days, you can watch that. Not too long. It's a, it's a pretty good format. Just quickly on that as well with the double matches, there are probably a lot of people out there who watch, like, say, the final of Wimbledon, but they don't watch every single game of Wimbledon, right? That that happens in so many different sports. There's people who probably watch the World Cup final but don't watch every group stage of match course. of the World Cup. I mean, the so, World, World Cup final also has double matches, triple matches, shit like that all the time. Yeah. So, I, I look, I think that if they could get rid of that opening best of one, which is something that I have been talking to some people from ESL about trying to do and how we could miraculously find uh, more hours in a day, which feels like it's almost impossible, but we're, we're talking about things. If we could get rid of that opening best of one, then there's no discussion. Like, there's, there's no discussion anymore. That There's no point sitting there talking about, can, Striker, can you do this for me? Can you concisely 
explain to the public because I will just do it in a <laughs> in a raging tangent on why actually uh, anyone do this uh, on why, why, why it doesn't matter if you come seventh to eighth from the group stage or fifth to sixth in the playoffs, right? That physically, from a competitive standpoint, other than these players' own selfish position of, oh, I want to play on a stage, I think Carmack's reply to Cadian was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think yeah. him saying earn it was brilliant. Like, can you explain to the viewer the why thing, that like, is, there's no difference? That was, the, that was the worst argument that I've ever seen. That was Cadian, right? Who, who said this? Uh, yeah, yeah, was, like, Apex had some stuff in there too. Well, the Apex's view was, well, whatever. Well, the main brunt of it was was regarding Katie saying like how he's been trying to get onto this like whatever get onto the stage right and that's um, his argument right like of course like that's that's supposed to be hard to do right that's you're supposed to earn it like it's not just going to be given to you on 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 a silver platter like that's not going to happen like this is bigger than playoffs this is a, an event that is was one of the most prestigious all year round. Um, basically, like uh, right outside of the two majors, the ESO Pro League is probably like maybe like the local owner or something like that. Like the, the, on, the, on the third, um, kind of like a tier of tournaments that we have in, in in CS or maybe a second. So, like, of course, it's going to be hard to 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 uh, to go to the playoffs at these events, and you have to earn it. You have to beat uh, some really good teams on the way there. So that argument to me was was the stupidest one overall. The best one in the in the opening round, I I I agree in the sense that it it makes it pretty cutthroat if you lose that opening game, and especially if two two favorites in the same group. If it happens to to, to two favorites in the same group, like let's say the first seed and the, the fourth. Let's say the first and fourth both lose the opening game, um, but that also never happened. Well, the Liquid did basically. Of course, they weren't the first seed, like or the only first seed. But basically, but that's I mean, how it... two two like high seeded teams to lose and then go into the lower bracket. I, I don't remember that ever happening. That's never, the thing, though. But it I don't can remember. Happen, but us... it can happen. Like you saw, that Liquid could lose to North, even though Anything they were, can weren't happen, supposed to. But... If you lose, then you lose. Of course, I'm. I'm not saying that uh, that it's not fair. I'm just saying that it's pretty pretty damn cutthroat, especially if it happens to two at the same time. Then you will you will be missing like one of those two teams. Let's say both of them just go through the first two best of threes in the lower bracket, right? Both the first and fourth seed that lose, and then they meet in the last um, match that decides a spot in the playoffs, right? Like that series would have been would would have definitely been better on stage, more exciting. Um, with more on the line than than it being just for a playoff spot, it would have been better on a semifinals or or even a grand final if if, if that was to happen. So for a while, for one best of one to to have um, a decision that big potentially, or basically two best of ones in this case that I'm talking about, uh, yes, that isn't ideal. Um, but yeah, at the same time, like you have to find some sort of a space for it. And ESL obviously couldn't. Otherwise, it would have already been the case that there's the best of three in the opening game as well. I don't see any other um, sort of solution that would allow them to to retain the same schedule, the same amount of days, and fix this problem that the, that they have with the with the with the opening best of one. I don't know, Chad, if if they're Michael. already working on that or or if they have a solution to it. But I don't know about any um, any reasonable one. I think. I I yeah. have a suggestion for them, but it's not okay. one that um, it's not one that I want to talk about just yet, and uh, okay. it's it's one that would probably just mean more games broadcasted at once on the first oh, day okay. only. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you, I feel like that's pretty reasonable though. The opening game is not not massively impactful anyway. It doesn't really have that much online, so so for that opening round to have maybe like a triple cast or something, uh, I I would have been okay with that. 
Yeah, it's 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 probably not difficult to get through in concept. It's just difficult to get through with all the the business. Yeah, you have to, you have to have a triple broadcast setup. That's the problem. Yeah, sure. Um, but but there's there's other these bits and pieces. Um, uh, but but yeah, I think that there are people from ESL who I talk to who want the whole format to be best of threes, and they're trying to work out ways to make it all best of threes. And I was suggesting ways, but the thing is, even like I don't think. I'm not a product manager. I don't think from like always think from a logistical standpoint. Like I say, why don't we just do this? And they go, yeah, but then we need to get another four tournament setups. And I go, oh, well, oh shit. Okay, well, that's a lot more money. Uh, that's, you know, five times this, five times, well, it's not five times that, is it at all? It's fucking five times four times this, times that, times everything. So there's so many more things that happen here when you have an idea or something. That, and they're, they're thinking about it. Like they, they wanted to make it possible if possible, but that's just one of the things at the moment. Anyway, Prof, I'm sorry I cut you off. Where are we going? No, I just wanted to touch on the, the whole thing about people wanting, if it's a 16-team tur- tournament, then they want eight teams in the playoff. I just saw someone uh, say it in chat as well. It's just something that people have in their minds that this is the number of teams that should be in the playoffs because... Like, that's how it usually is. Half of the teams advance from the group to the playoffs. It doesn't have to be like, it can be any number of teams depending on the format. Like, why would we have to abide to some like imaginary rule of 50% need to go into the playoffs? Uh, that for me doesn't make any sense. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't give a better product, then we don't have to do it. The thing regarding also like having four quarterfinals instead of two quarterfinals, yeah. like, if if you guys like if we all in the community were that important that we could fill an arena on a Thursday, then we'd have uh, an arena for t- Thursday for two quarterfinals. But we don't. We don't have that much people. Fridays mostly aren't that full for ninety percent of the arenas out there. So what is what is the point? Like even even if an optic or I don't know a North plays an NRG in Montpellier on a, on a Thursday. It, there, there would be no one there. No one wants to watch them. It's like they are okay teams. They have online people will watch them, but people in France probably won't watch them. Even people in a and a the number number would be yeah. fairly low. So the thing is, if this was that big, then it would automatically just grow itself that way. But it's not, and the match isn't that important as it is to you personally. To the to the viewer, it's not that important. So that's why it doesn't exist as a stage match. That's yeah, I didn't even think of that standpoint, which is ludicrous. But that in itself, here's a thing to all of you out there. And I'm not saying you have to come to these events, but I'm saying if, if you live, oh, my geography so bad. If you live in somewhere that is near, uh, what's an event after the player break? Uh, New York. If you live near New York and you've been thinking, let's say you live two states away. Let's say you really wanted to go to an event and you are like, oh, but it's not in my city, so I'll probably give it a miss. Go to the event because let me tell you, if you guys don't go to the events and you really want to and you miss it, that event might not be there next year. Like your attendance directly is direct feedback to whether or not Counter-Strike is popular in that part of the world. So by having the mindset of it's too far away or I'll just wait for it to come to my city or it might not exist anymore. Like that is something, if you want to watch it live, you should really take advantage of these opportunities. And I understand that money is, I'm not saying this is for everybody. Of course not. Not everybody has the money for it. Not everybody has the time for it. But I'm just saying that if you have been thinking about it, you should really go and, you know, give it, give it a crack. But 
yeah. Anyway, I'm no longer frustrated anymore. The next, the, do we have any more points on this ESL format? I, I just find it absurd that these cunts are willing to light up the internet regarding ESL's format when, realistically, that and the Star Ladder, best of three Swiss, are two of the formats that offer some of the most Counter Strike. And actually, the ESL format is the most fairly balanced between competitiveness and um, fairness. So fairness of opportunity to compete, multiple chances, and competitiveness um, in terms of, you know, it is cutthroat. You can't rock up. Like, let's just say if you rock up to the Starlighter one, in the first two days you're going out every night getting drunk and you lose your first two best of threes and then you win the last three. Well, you've just been given as many opportunities to fuck up as you can. You're not taking game one seriously enough, right? Or like, like think about it from that perspective for a second. If things are seeded fairly, like if things are seeded fairly and the format is good, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter how many chances. Like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't lose a best of one. In tennis, if you're fucking Federer and you come into a thing and you're like within the top three seeds and you're playing one of the one, like one of these bottom seed guys who have to qualify in and you lose, you're out. Like, they're not going to you at Wimbledon and saying, oh, sorry that you didn't train hard enough and focus hard enough here, Federer, for this thing. Uh, we'll give you another chance tomorrow. But in Counter-Strike, we go, yeah, maybe you had an off day, so we'll give you another chance tomorrow. And sometimes we go, yeah, maybe you had two off days. We'll give you another chance the next day. We we do that for them, right? Like, we, you have that opportunity. I mean, so, that's part of the problem. Part of, part of the problem, though. They've been they've been allowed this kind of leeway a lot of the time, so they they just feel they um, they can bring up issues that that are obviously just uh, very one sided to to the teams and not from the overall perspective. And so this is kind of a like an overall mindset that we kind of get a need to get away from at least a little bit. I can understand why the tournament organizers do listen to them a lot, and then a lot of the time they they try to try to go um, and meet them halfway at least. Because obviously, like the players need to be kind of happy about your attending your tournament, um, if you want them to to stay for for more and then for them to accept invites to to the future ones. I understand all that, um, but like you say, it's not like they're experts on on anything, but actually playing the game, like anything outside of the game, anything organizational. That's nothing that they they have any any better. Um, expertise on than than anybody else who's actually working behind the scenes or on broadcast who who looks at these things um from from a much broader exp- perspective yeah okay i see people asking about why th- this isn't done through the players association like your question is as good <laughs> as mine i guess like, well, the thing is, like that that's the that's also the problem right the, the, the twitter on twitter it's just any player can just whatever just shout out something into the into the air and that's it right it's just gonna gonna take um on its own that's the problem like they they're not even thinking about taking this seriously and and just trying to figure out like an overall way of 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 fixing it they just literally just shot it into the air and that's it i i want to i i want to um move on from this because it will frustrate me to no end and i (laughs) yeah go for it i mean i don't think we have anything else to add but i want lucas to bring up a tweet right now and this is from uh someone from league ops this is uh mr slavinsky from uh esl his name is Mihal, and uh his tweet reads last year we identified an issue with players abusing the restore round feature when a miss buy happened it took some thinking and experimentation but i think we found the perfect solution in montpellier we've had uh, we only had to restore one round due to a genuine crash so i want to elaborate on this a little bit more for all of you now this isn't i'm not going to name names and i'm not going to point fingers but 
when freeze time occurs and a tactical timeout is called or maybe not even a tactical timeout, maybe they're just in freeze time and somebody misbuys, what that person or what the in-game leader or what the person who in that team is designated, somebody, this is, this is a thing, would somehow have a computer crash which would maybe be them pulling out a power cable or maybe them rebooting their computer or maybe them doing something else, which is not so fair. And then they would rejoin the server and then they would buy something completely different to what they misbought. Now, Mr. Slavinsky here has just stated that they have brought something into the game that now, if they do misbuy, there will be no more problems with that. They will be playing with whatever the fuck they bought. If you rock into pistol and you automatically buy a smoker flash, and a P250 and your in-game leader changes the call or makes a call is like, no, you're doing the wrong strat and you misbought the wrong thing. There'll be no fucking delaying the broadcast by 10 minutes because we have to do a fucking round restore or any of that bullshit. This, what I'm telling you guys is legitimate. This is true. There have been multiple, multiple instances of people rebooting PCs and just go, oh, it crashed. That is legitimately the case. The, so The team's big issues is the classic though. That's now the team no one issue. can no one can ever like see what's happening you say oh I, I my team speak doesn't work and then the admin comes in it's like what's wrong it's, oh it works now oh, oh oh great okay we can restart the round quickly and get back into it it's, it's a class yeah. online I mean, even more the, yeah. the the thing about like misbuys in the sense of like they actually buy whatever they wanted but they realize that they shouldn't have because they have the game that are called a certain strat and they realize they didn't have a smoke for that or something i feel like that's the bigger problem than like some fucking whatever like buying a bison in a gun round by accident because i rarely see those nowadays at least i haven't in a long time where somebody just bought whatever like a um like a someone bought or something that, you, that they that obviously wouldn't have. Was that this event when someone bought a Negev at the ESL Pro League? Yeah, and they had to use I... it. It was on yeah, too, I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was Stown. I feel like it was Stown. Yeah, yeah, Rome. yeah. It was, it was someone from Heroics for, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens like on, on occasion, but I feel like most of these problems are probably just like um, they didn't have a smoke that they should have and they just realized it late and stuff like that. Then they auto-bought based on what they, whatever they thought was going on. So I feel like that that was the bigger Look, problem. And obviously, we need to I mean, get rid I, of those cases. Like, none of us want fucking technical issues, no, delays. No, no, no. I, I 100% agree with this. You you have like the you have some win the pistol round and then it's paused. Like f fuck that. Like everyone gets hyped. Like caster. Like you get the fucking great analyst desk ah, and goes into that's the, the worst thing ever. It goes into the into the pistol and everyone's like, hyping, oh, let's go. It's such a big important match. Oh, it's Not a one v one clutch. Great. Ah, oh, it's a technical pause. And then they sit there for five minutes. That's that's annoying. So again, that, stuff like that can it. happen because of these things. So fuck it. If you press the wrong button, live with it. Like your job is pressing buttons. So I think you can like that is a reasonable expectation from you to to press the right button. Also, if you have auto buy, gun. fuck off. Just, just auto buy don't do it. Un, should be on. Yeah, that that happened to to um, havoc in one of the majors that we were playing in, and. I didn't even know pausing it and getting a restore was a possibility. I was just like, I guess we're, we're buying now. Like, you know, those things happen. Um, but I'm glad that ESL have come up with a way to enforce that rule. It's very important. Now it's just the coach rule, uh, making sure that those motherfuckers are not talking when they shouldn't. Uh, so hopefully they can they can sort that one out soon. But uh, let's move forward to the furious situation if we're all done with, with this topic. Is yeah, everyone good? No yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We so need this, to up the tempo, I feel like. Yeah, the furious <laughs> topic, the furious topic here uh now 
I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, to pull any punches here. Uh, I would say that the whole reason that this situation unfolded was purely because MIBR was sniffing around for a player. Um, Two and, players, apparently. Well, look, there's always some options on the table, isn't there? But do do one striker? Can you give us a rundown of the whole contract situation and give everyone a, a good synopsis? Well. Just the basics is that they they signed new five year five year deals in Counter Strike. By the way, that's not a thing. That's I don't think I've heard of anybody else signing a five year deal. Virtus Pro had like three years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, now it's the longest that we've heard of, like Crims officially. Also did three. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Fnatic. That's right. JW and Crims were were also like three year deals, as far as I remember. So for somebody to sign a five year deal. Okay, fuck it. I'm just gonna go through through the basics, right? And apparently, so well, the one of the contracts was leaked. Apparently, their their buyout is about two hundred thousand, even though their 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 actual um, their actual salary is somewhere around fifteen hundred. Was it fifteen hundred dollars a month? Fourteen, yeah. Fourteen hundred. Okay. So yeah, that's the basics of it. And you can already see see why why that is wrong. First of all, five year deal. Second of all, fifteen hundred. Uh, a month for a team that just entered the top 10 know, um, but that, or even no, close. but that's the old contract that's not this contract that they oh, just that's signed the gold one. Oh, fair enough that's the um, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the biggest that's right. the biggest thing is that it's not like they just signed that that was the contract they signed apparently it could even be like the oldest contract that anyone on the team signed and yuri joined in 2017 when they a year after that, they were still playing in Brazil. And that contract allegedly wasn't even the final version, but I still believe that, that maybe that starting point was true. Uh, later on, Furia came out and said that they had like a, a scaling level, whatever, like a, I don't know, achievement-based uh, yeah. salary. Incentive-based. Yeah, incentive-based. So they apparently weren't being paid... Uh, thousand four hundred dollars last month or whatever that sh- would go up with a with a top five that they achieved uh, in the in the last couple of weeks so the thing is the way it unfolded was uh obviously mibr didn't do that well at this tournament then furia stated that their their team members were approached to be uh, bought out or to join another team which is obviously MIBR because who else would be buying out Furia players now but they, then they declined that and signed new five five-year deals with the with the whole team and then we have the now rumor that Lucas one from Luminosity is joining MIBR yeah, yeah fair enough. That one there is a is an interesting one and one that they've tried to go for before. But so this furious situation, I think that we would all agree, just off a off a competitive standpoint, that it wouldn't make much sense from a player to lock yourself into a five year contract. Now, an organization normally have these contracts, so it's a win win for them, right? They get to keep you, they get to pay you whatever like they've agreed to, and then if anyone else wants you, then they have to pay you a lot of money. Let's say, for example, that this Furia roster doesn't perform to anywhere near the level they did again well these five guys in one way have just guaranteed themselves a decent paycheck relatively for the next five years right like that's that's pretty cool that they've been able to do that considering all the circumstances around where this team has come from before this moment Uh, from the other side of things the thing with counter-strike players at this level is they're competitors so you may have potentially just cucked yourself 
from being able to play on a more competitive team. Let's say MIBR gets Lucas. Let's say this MIBR roster doesn't work. Guess what MIBR roster probably would work? Or guess what Brazilian roster probably would work? Bringing in some of the veterans with some of these young upstarts and making that kind of whole new Brazilian wave. However, I don't think that we're going to see MIBR slash Immortals investing enough money to make all that happen. To, to, to go in and, and be buying these players out unless you know something happens over a long period of time um, but right now I think that five years is a mistake but I can see it from the organization's uh, perspective wanting to hold on to their project and I can see why the players would do it too because five years of guaranteed income at their age with all things considered um, hopefully they're getting paid at least double what that was offered before that's a pretty bloody good place to be so I, I think five years is too long but I understand I'm trying to be more understanding in life, guys. That's one of my... The thing is, in Counter-Strike, five years is just so fucking unreasonable. Like, we started years ago, let's say seven years ago, a little bit less than that, seven years ago. You know how many roster changes have happened in the last fucking five years in the top teams? Like, it's countless. Fucking countless. It's like 20... It's probably like in the 20s of of roster changes among the top um, top 10 teams of, of like, throughout those, those last six years, five years. Like that's that's just how unreasonable that is. Like you can't expect a team to stick together for five years, not even close to it, not even two years, not even a year for most cases. Like the, Navi with with their lineup that they had previously, which held on for what a year and something, a year or three months, four months, something like that, a little bit more, a year and a half almost. Um, that was just almost unheard of. Like it's almost nobody keeps their lineup for that long outside of Virtus Pro or or like the the early NIP. Uh, even the early NIP versions didn't last that long, actually. So yeah, outside of the first one. So that's I, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, the thing is, like, if the contracts have some sick, sick bench clauses where they get a lot of money and then they can walk and go join another team at a reasonable buyout. Everyone just saw me dribble on myself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it happens to everyone. We're all responsible adults that spill drinks on their on themselves. Anyway, let's keep going. I'm I'm sorry. I, I like if if that is true, then who cares? Like if you have a five year contract like that, but at the same time, and at any point in the next five years, Furia as an organization can just go bankrupt and fold. So, like, it's never. I think from a player perspective in CS right now, five years just can't make sense. And it doesn't even matter if, if Fury is going to be the next hot shit. Like, one of those players is not going to be in that team in a year. That is 99% like going to happen. And then in five years, most likely none of them will. Maybe one or two players. And that's it. But I think this, this is more of a just a power play from Fury that they want to signal to MIBR that they really will not be selling players to them. And they, that they don't want to settle to be like the second best Brazilian team, which I think is pretty interesting because something like this, I'm not sure it really ever happened that a team like that was second and then just like became the number one team in the in the region. Because always we see the big big dog poaching off, and then even if things go bad, maybe there's a bit of like some veterancy right there or more money in the org, then they can after some time get the better players so i think i think it's very interesting that what is happening and the whole thing about the leaked contract could be a part of like who knows what's going on in the in the in the backdrop of everything because i'm sure that mibr isn't happy that 
this is like the third or fourth time that they're not going to be getting the player that they originally want, and they have to settle for someone else. So that that's definitely not something Fallen is uh, is used to. But let's. This um... is actually kind of a cool comment. Just I caught something in the chat, so I'm just going to read it out. Forest slash Get Right and Chris J are the only players who have been with an orc for five years. Angel and Nitro are approaching it with Elise and somebody close behind. So that's that's kind of the scope that we're looking at. Maybe like five five players in the entire scene have been with their orc for the last five years. Five players out of out of yeah, hundreds that's crazy small, regularly right? on the top scene. Yeah, I think that is a testament to itself right there. And considering uh, most of you might not remember this, but like in the early days, there's teams who would change organization almost every couple of months, you know? So not only are there player changes, there's organizational changes, and and there's always going to be lots of movements like that. I think we could probably just quickly, uh, we're going to bridge this conversation from where we are now. So we're going to move on to the pre-major change, unless anyone has anything else to say. Cool. Uh... Yeah, 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 let's go to MIBR. All right, yes, exactly. So let's move on. We'll start with MIBR as the first one because this is a good bridging point. Now, if Phelps is out, I get it. I understand. It didn't, It didn't. you know, they didn't like it before. That's why they made changes then. Um, I think, though, if that is the case, that the biggest... Oh, yeah, thank you. Continue to vote, guys. We do have that poll running, and uh, we will be talking about that last topic as uh, we round out the show. I think uh, when we look at this situation for MIBR having the fifth player needs to be somebody viable in the social game, not somebody necessarily viable. They have to be a competent player. They have to be able to fulfill their role, but they need to make sure that they gel on the social side of things because I think that this team has a very clear hierarchy. I think you've got Fallen and Coldzera at the top, and then you have everybody else underneath. And it's not that I don't think that other people, you know, are as valued as much. I just think in terms of where all the narrative is coming from, Fur, I, I, I go to all the events, I see Fur, I say hi to Fur, uh, but Fur's not somebody who I have a big conversation with and he's not somebody I see being like hugely social. Um, so I imagine in the team, he's probably quite reserved, probably has his opinions and stuff. But I think like in, in teams, you need to make sure that you have a very good balance in that everyone has to get along. And if you have like Phelps, who also seems like a very quiet individual, you got Fur and Phelps that don't say anything, that could be quite a detracting thing from a squad to have. So I think that it's probably a social move. Uh, they're obviously not getting the results they want, but I think that's probably based on, on, on that uh, aspect. Do you guys have anything on this, Striker? Yeah, I I mean, I can understand, like you, that, that, that Phelps is the one to go out. I do think that him and Fur together do not work. And we saw that we saw that happen even in 2017 when this lineup was last together. It took them a long time to figure it out. And even then, Phelps was just not in a position where he feels comfortable. And he, he just, so that, that didn't even make sense to have him on the lineup as long as you have a, have a decent enough replacement. The problem I have with Lucas is that he hasn't really been playing at the highest level for quite a long time, so I'm not entirely sure what his form looks like or, or how 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 good he even is. If this was peak Lucas, I think there there would have been a discussion as to like how effective this this uh, you know, this lineup change could be because I think at one point he was uh, he was a very um, there was a pretty high possibility of him joining. Instead of Phelps, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was uh, when FNX was going out. Lucas was the first pick they they had right. back then. Right, and that did, that obviously didn't work out. And at that time, I think that would have been a great uh, great lineup change. And I remember thinking um, the same when that happened when that was happening. Um, how much has changed since that time? If Lucas is still up for that job, I'm not entirely sure. But I could see it working out role wise. 
except I feel like there might be a little bit of a clash between him and Cold. Because I feel like, it's, from what I remember from the positions that Lucas plays, they are fairly similar similar with uh, with Cold. And even playstyle-wise, Lucas is, uh, is, is kind of like that passive type of player. Um, even like an anchor type of player. So I, I'm not entirely sure if whether... Uh, there might not be another role clash this time with like the more passive players instead of the aggressive ones. So it would be interesting to see how how it works out. But I do think it would work better than than what we had with Felt because it was pretty clear that that he was not feeling comfortable back in 2017 or in in this iteration. Just yeah. uh, just go, just quickly, go, go. people people are saying about Fur uh, being the one calling the shot on changes. We're not saying he doesn't call the shot on changes. What we're saying is that he, as terms of an individual um, and the way that they work as five individuals, talkatively in a server with Zeus there watching strategies, practicing. That's what we're saying. It's got nothing to do with the social dynamic of who's deciding to replace who. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the way that they gel together in the server. And if they plan to bring Lucas in, and this is the core three that they want to continue to stick with, then this team is going to have the same platform for success. Cold Zero, Fallen, and Fur have to be the star three. There we go. We've cleared that yeah, up. Anyway, that's, back that's to That's why it. what you just said now, I think like Phelps can, can be a problem could maybe potentially was a problem in this lineup, but I still think re replacing him won't change much for them because, as you said, like the three players that are Colzera, Fur, and Fallen are the guys that everything re revolves around. So having Phelps play a bit more passive, will that give them, not, not Phelps, like Lucas play instead of Phelps and play maybe more passive, maybe more smart in certain situations? Will that give them maybe one or two more rounds in a game, potentially? But it's not like this is now going to be a reinvigorated team. Stryker touched on like his individual form. Last three months, playing in NA, let's keep that in mind, playing in not the toughest uh, like opposition against teams like Team 1. Like They didn't qualify Luminosity to the minor. Uh, they lost to Team 1, the other Brazilian, one of the other Brazilian teams in NA. And that's why Lucas was available to be to be poached, let's say. They play against like Quest, Lazarus, INTZ, Singularity, teams like that. Last three months average rating 101. So that's not Yikes. that's not lighting up the server. And the funniest thing is like his one of his best ever series in his career was the last one he played against Luminosity, against the MIBR. MIBR. It was like 1.40. I'm, I'm looking average. at it now, actually, because like I must have missed that. Well, 100%. It must have um, been going on at the same time as like on the secondary stream or whatever with some other series. Because I don't I, remember watching this. And I, remember I was I watched watching it. I remember watching it, but I don't even remember him being like insane or anything. So okay. it, it was like the double stream. So then your like attention is divided. You don't really catch everything I'm but trying i didn't to figure out what the other match was but yeah i definitely didn't, didn't watch this so i'm like it's very uninspiring as i said before it's another change from mibr when they don't get what they actually want uh it's okay whatever i guess good for them maybe it helps them a bit but it's not going to change anything massively 
Okay, I think we're all pretty much on the same page here with this one. I guess we can look at, uh, let's do the Avangar one because I think that will probably take up the least of our time here. Avangar have just announced Adren has replaced Fitch within the team. Uh, so he will be playing with them as they continue forward. He'll actually be playing with them in about 14 hours against Namiga. So if you want to see how that one goes down, you can tune in there. That is on HedgeTV.org. Uh, why am I shilling? Um, anyway, uh, where are we going with this? The they did Adren, actually, they did actually play a game already. Uh, they, they lost against Heroic, and Adren was bottom fragging, minus okay. 10 KD. Classic. Okay. Well, I I don't like this pickup. Um, you don't? I'm surprised. I think that there is so much talent in the CIS region. Why are we going to like the older guys? Like, just well, that, just bring then in... again, like Avangara aren't a team that has like a lot of experienced people at the same time. Like they have nobody basically who's who's been around for longer than a year on the top tier scene. So like I don't see I don't see this as a as a bad pickup at all. I think I, mm, I guess Fitch was like pretty inconsistent. Like he would have impact rounds, but uh, I, can Adren do the same roles as Fitch? I don't know. That's that's we get away and see. I I think they I think they can like. Adren in phase didn't really get a lot of his older roles that he got back in Gambit when he was a kind of a X factor opening up rounds player. Uh, in phase, he was just I, he was never going to be set up for success, obviously. So I think from that perspective, in Avangar, he can get a bit of bit more freedom, but a bit more better roles from for himself, and then. The veterancy aspect, I think, will help a lot because Fitch was actually that player in in Avangar. He he's True. not the young guy either, but he wasn't as experienced as as Adren. So I think it's a very like for like, but in all of the categories, Adren is better. I think at least. I mean, obviously, didn't see them play in a, in a couple of months, I don't know, two months or whatever. But I think I think he's just an up slight upgrade in all of the categories, which will help Avangar just be a bit more stable maybe as a team that's why I, I think it's a good move overall yep. okay so you think it's better striker think it's better and i think it's the same nip next one coming up this one's a big one it's one, a rough one as well because it's just like it's the temporary thing for now and god knows what's going to happen after the major basically just to just to put people into perspective and then to explain how what it's what's going on right um First of all, Dennis was benched and basically replaced by Plopsky. That's the most basic thing that we can say. But at the same time, NIP are also looking into just like getting getting get right out of this um, active lineup as well, which is already which already tells you a lot regarding their their nearest future, I guess, and and their outlook at the major, um, where they will be using uh, Golden instead, which was announced earlier today. So this entire situation just puts NIP in a in a pretty bad spot for the next couple of months, basically probably until they manage to uh, to get get right out of this lineup. And we could actually see Golden being like this trial uh, type of a situation where if it does work out at the major, if if, if they like uh, what he's bringing into the team, get right could just leave after the major and Plopsky would come back and they would have a full lineup, right? So this could be one of those situations. It could not be. Depends on, uh, I guess, on, on how Golden... Um, kind of fits into this team yeah. over the next but I couple think, months. Like, how, how can he fit well into a team as a temporary in-game leader that's, coming that's in for issue, one yeah. event? Like that, that they will for play together start, for like a good good amount of time, though. They will be yeah. more, more like a month or and a half or something. Minus like a break that they will have. They, I imagine they will have in, in August. But After Cologne, uh, for, right? 
yeah, that we for, had to play. For probably a, a good solid part of a month or something. So there's there's definitely some potential for him to make some changes, but at the same time, yeah, but that, is that's he in the that player position? Break. Like people will is be he in people that will position? be going on the player break, chilling out in Bali and shit. I don't know about that considering how close the major is. So yes, they will. I'm sure they will have some vacation, but I don't think it's going to be that massive as as it used to be, where people would just not touch CS for three weeks in a row. Like this, this is going to be just like players taking like a week long break somewhere and then coming back to. Uh, to practice because that's just way too close. Obviously, we all know that it's it's a fuck up on on Valve's side and everything around that. But um, I don't think the, the the usual break is going to happen as we have as we've had it for the last couple of years. I feel like the break is just going to be like teams who aren't playing in the events towards the end of this year will just take more time off then, yeah. which kind of sucks. But whatever, it'll be fixed next year. We already know there's new dates and stuff. Yeah. Here's my dream for the NIP situation. Um, and I was speaking to you guys about this before we went live. So they play the major with Golden. After the major uh, get right, I, we're all assuming is no longer part of the team. Golden takes that position. Plopsky comes in. You get rid of... Lecro, because I think the only two parts of NIP worth salvaging even before Dennis got benched were Rez and Forrest. And then you bring in Nork and you put him on the primary orb because we discussed about this earlier with Swedish Counter-Strike. There isn't a good, consistent primary orper or even star orper in the Swedish scene um, who is doing it and lighting the servers up. So that would be pretty cool, um, at least from my opinion, but I'm kind of just now talking about other bullshit. So if we just stick with what is happening, um, NIP would be lucky if they don't get relegated and have to go through the minor system with uh, what they're bringing up to the next major. Uh, I don't That's understand why, like what you said about knock. I think this was a perfect uh, time to get him in to stand in for the major and try him out. Yeah, like, trying out an opera is much easier than trying out an in-game leader. It's like you can play... But at the same time, like, do, do they do they think an in-game leader is, is a bigger issue, though? Like, we've just seen them change to, like, from what we've heard, we've just seen them change to get right for true, no apparent reason. True. That so is why true. I feel like that's the bigger, like, the more pressing issue. But I think the more pressing thing is who is going to sign Knock first? Yeah, fanatic sure. or NIP. Like I'd rather I'd rather get knock than golden, but that's also my opinion that a lot of people don't agree with. I just don't think golden is that good. So obviously, if you think he is very good as an in-game leader, maybe want to, to sign him first. But I, from my perspective, that would be the better better options to get someone like a young guy in, just try him out at the major, and then see how it goes because. I don't think anyone is going to be snapping up Golden in the next three months. Well, un un unless Fnatic take a risk on him, then it's not like NIP are going to have to deal with a, a buyout or anything along those lines, for at least an absurd one, right? So it maybe that doesn't feel like there's as much... Yeah, but like... Hurry? I don't know. But You're Fnatic right. surely isn't getting Golden back. That is 100% not happening. No, I'm talking about the Nork. I'm not talking yeah, about... That's why I'm yeah. saying. That's why... You, like, even if there's a low chance of Nock getting uh, picked up by Fnatic, like, for Golden, it's even lower. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's, you should probably... Pri okay, prioritizing him as this... Oh, by the way, regarding Golden, like, you're you're holding on to this opinion that he's a shit call, or not a good... 
a game leader based on his on his outrage at the face it major. No, you were standing behind no, him no, and just no. that was that was just him. one like that was just my initial impression when he he was like raging and shit with Cloud Nine. Just to just to put this into into context, right? Like there was an Instagram story that we had of I don't know what this game was, but it was like an overtime game or something. It was like that, Cloud Nine uh, G two or, or G2. like a, something like that. I think okay, or maybe the like, wind the wind strike wind strike. I think wind strike. Yeah, on Inferno. Oh yeah, it could have been. It could have been the train or something. Oh, but whatever. It's uh, it was a game where Golden just stood up and just started shouting. It's so fucking hard to play this game. I just like <laughs> threw away his headset or something like that. No, that so was I just like, like my initial initial uh, <laughs> feedback about Golden. But then watching his teams, I was not impressed. That's the thing. And the worst thing is, I can give him some leeway because of the Cloud9 situation being shit and players coming in and out. And everything was kind of a mess. But now he's doing the same thing, coming in as a trial in-game leader into, into NIP. Yeah. Like, that's... You are... I feel like... I got that... one trump card for you, though, Prof. Okay. Like, one trump card that, like, kind of, like, closes down the whole discussion. Okay. Name me... you And you can't say motherfucking Hampus. Name me one <laughs> Swedish... Okay. Name me one Swedish in-game leader who wants to be an in-game leader who isn't exist. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing, guy. bro. That's the thing. Golden's this... cornered the market. Golden fucking owns all the fucking onions. You all want to put some onions in your cooking? Well, you got to go to fucking Golden's store. I think it's like... needs onions. Do you need an in-game leader that goes out in the first round of the north american minor qualifier like rather play without an in-game leader if that's gonna how you're gonna be that that, that definitely taken taken cloud uh, cloud nines golden's value cloud. down like several pegs because like for the hit for him not to be able to make a lineup with these players work like sure rush wasn't particularly in, in great form but at the same time that kind of started happening when golden came on so golden's golden's value at this point after this cloud nine stint is definitely at a pretty low point but yeah what sponge is saying is it's he hit the nail on the head because there's literally nobody else there's also that, that flush guy everyone just like well, waiting to save the thing is about seven the, teams right i don't now. think he wants to lead though uh, we've 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 had that happen a couple I of times know. and he always it always transitioned away from him anyway this is doesn't like matter he at least wins situation. like two events in the meantime so. <laughs> that's true uh, are, we do, are we done with uh, the there's tweets? also hampers by the way what? <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, nah, nah. I don't think, from what I heard, Hampus isn't that hard on in game leading anyway. So, and someone said Freddy Frog, but he is not even in game leading. It's DJL in game leading over there for Chaos. Well, at least, at least, the people, in chat, is, honestly, at least yeah. the people in chat tried. So that's, that's the main thing. At least they tried. All right. So we're going to move on to fucking Frankenstein's project here. Prof, can you explain? Can you explain Hellraiser's situation oh. going into this major? Because I swear, yeah, this is just if they like fucking one of... manipulate the rules. I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been anything, but just because the the roster lock happened uh, last night, right? So all of the teams needed to send in their their team lists. But not all are public. I mean, most of them, like the team lists, aren't public. It's now up to the teams to announce what they want to announce when they want to announce it. Uh, so it means that Hellraisers did send in a team who's on it must be three players at least from the last minor. So they either have Dead Fox or Hobbit, but it's probably Dead Fox because Hobbit was not really kind of even just touched on and they wanted to sell him or whatever. So, but someone from the current team is not going to be playing the major. That is, that is the question. Who is that going to be? 
most likely not when Oscar. We, yeah. So Can't I they just them. put dead fox as a player, put uh, whoever they want as the coach, and then just fucking manipulate the yeah, rest? Yeah, Star Leather has been pretty adamant that about that not being a possibility, that they, you need a real reason, like a doctor confirming your mega Oh, yeah, you, can't, you just like can't do that anymore unless there, there's an emergency, so that's a good so sign. So couldn't this be the emergency? Like, honestly, let me let me paint this picture for you. What, what if, yeah, I had this Dead conversation Fox, on Twitter. I, is, I'm is, sure you're going to bring up this. What if Dead Fox is, is out there? Dead Fox is Hungarian, right? Yeah. Yep. What if I don't even know if there's mountains in Hungary, but fuck it. Dead Fox is out there in the Hungarian mountains. Fucking, he's become like know. a. He's become like. He's living off the land, you know. He's fed up with video games. He's fed up with all the fucking morons on HTV.org forums calling him dead bot and fucking bot fox and all this shit and the poor and you know calling him a a, a, a decoy and all this stuff. And he's just gone fuck it. And he's just gone now. He's living off the land. But Hellraisers know this, and they just list him as a player. And then they list the other guy as the coach. And then they rock up at the tournament. And Starlight is like, where the fuck's Dead Fox? And they're like, we don't know. We can't contact him. He said he was coming. <laughs> and then he just never turns up. And they're like, oh, well, I guess this is an emergency. Couldn't they literally just do that? I don't know. I mean, they could. If but... it was, that seems seems a little bit too easy for that to work. But at the same time, I don't know what Starlighter would do otherwise. Why couldn't that work? It could work. But I it's like... It you as a team are then putting everything on the line and also dead fox needs to literally be in the mountains and never <laughs> return to cs because then everyone will just call him out for that shit for for the longest time uh, this is definitely not a situation you want to put yourself in no but well, maybe maybe they pay him like that fox realizes like i'm not playing cs fuck this game and then kelly is just like here's <laughs> here's like I don't know how much you get off the like the sticker money. There's like 50k. Just don't show up ever and like anywhere. Deactivate your Twitter. It's like, well, let's let's do that. That could possible. be possible. All right. Well, either way, Hellraisers are either playing with their full roster or they're bending the rules, and I'm not happy with either of those results. But let's move on to the org nerf and discuss more about what we've seen from Vertigo. As we, uh, one more time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have the vote come up on the screen for you yet again. If you want to vote for any of these topics, we will be discussing about the viewers' pick, the last topic of this one. You can talk about Cloud9, NRG, something about Sunnies in there. There's some one about this thing about Ghost as well. I assume that it's probably sure the Cloud9. Talking about Cloud9, yeah, Cloud9 yeah, yeah. is leading, but Sunny is actually pretty close. And I hope but that's it's like not, hundreds of that's not the topic, point. but I just like threw it in there and I don't know what we're going to talk about. You if we like, talk about Sunny, it's like, well, Sunny hasn't really been doing look, anything. The, the positive side, we can finish the show early if that's, that's true. Topic. That's true. All right, so the org nerf. Now, for those of you who missed it, there was an update to do with the 20th anniversary of Counter-Strike. And what was quite funny about this was the day before, Nico, someone who was adamant about not using the Krieg and the Org, started using the Krieg and the Org and was owning people with the Krieg and the Org. And then literally the next day, an update comes out, adjustment to the Org to bring its utility more in line with other rifles, which has slightly reduced the rate of fire and reduced accuracy while unscoped. Now... What that translates to in my mind is that the org can no longer be used as just an upgrade of the M4. You're not going yeah. to be able to. Now, I made a tweet, which some moron had the fucking audacity oh, I saw that. to reply to me. <laughs> so I made a tweet and I said uh, something like, what, 
who was it? Frozen. What Frozen just did with the org won't be possible on Monday, which yeah. which means the update had already happened, so we already knew the changes, and that on Monday it would be impossible because we wouldn't be playing another tournament on the old patch. So what I'm implying was the firing rate of the org, right, is the main talking point. He killed four people within the space of like what a second and a half. Two guys came main, two guys came squeaky, um, and what I was talking about was the firing rate because if the firing rate was what it is now, I don't know how many of you have tested the org, but you would have been traded in that situation unless the other team literally took their hands off the mouse so what i was implying was the firing rate situation not necessarily the armor penetration situation but then some guy replied and said something about the the headshot with head armor and then another guy replied and said it doesn't do it doesn't that doesn't work and i said no it 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 does like if you're close enough range it does and then some other guy replied and then some other guy replied and then some dickhead replied and he called me champ and if anyone's going to sarcastically call me champ, I'm going to take you to fucking school. So I did a video. I'm literally sitting there watching this match and I jump in Counter-Strike and I load no. into aimbot spots and I run, up to a, I run up to a bot and I put my crosshair right in that motherfucker's mouth and I shoot one bullet and he has head armor and I kill him and he's dead. So I upload this video. I was being extremely patronizing and then this guy replies and says, Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? What I'm about to explain to you is what the fucking morons of the world do. They shift the fucking goalposts and they create strawman arguments. Stick to the fucking topic and use the context of the situation as what it is. Don't change the narrative to support your feeble fucking minds. He replies with, he's standing about five or six feet back and then shoots the bot and goes, look, it doesn't work. He's standing that far away. First of all, dickhead, I wasn't implying that. I was implying the firing rate situation because that wouldn't have been able to happen in one and a half seconds and second of all your point about it not killing a person with one bullet is completely and utterly fucking wrong because it does we didn't talk about the range nobody talked about the range you brought the range in you shift the fucking goalposts you were wrong take a fucking long walk off a short pier and have a cool dip you fucking dickhead anyway these changes what are our thoughts because I've only been able to play a couple just, of pugs. I was just I looking didn't. at the video that you took with your fucking phone. <laughs> I, I accidentally ran into this while I was looking for topics for today's show. And I was like, what is this video? Why is Chad fighting with some random people on Twitter again? I mean, is that a question that we ask ourselves like every couple of days? Uh, or why something? not? Why? Because you can. That is the reason. Always that. I didn't. I literally didn't play the game for like a week or more and yeah. just installed it today again. Classic install. Like, Classic rage uninstall? uninstall after a bad face. It. Uh, so <laughs> I did not actually play it, but from what people have been saying, a lot of people are going back to them for uh, like their their main weapon in the pro scene, which is I think it's I think it's okay, and I think it should be a different weapon and not just a better version of the M4 because it kind of then I mean that was... makes the M4 useless. The thing is, like, that was Valve's aim from the start with Yogg and Krieg. Obviously, they didn't really change it at any point outside of that, like, period in 2015 where it was fucking outrageous. But outside of that, like, um, from, for what it can actually do, they never changed it. But their aim was just to make it a different, um, a, a weapon to, to be used in different scenarios than the M4, right? Like, for, for more, more like the long-range battles and stuff like that, because of the scope, because of the advantage of the scope, they never expected, I don't think they ever expected this to, to just be a complete replacement of the M4. I don't think they ever wanted to. So with this change, with this nerf, they're actually trying to, to, to make it a little bit more, um, um, to, to be used a little bit more like they originally intend, intended it to, because they've also re- reduced the... 
um, the what is it called accurate range of of the unscoped uh, when you when you shoot it shoot with it unscoped. So it, it's not as accurate on on such a long range. I don't anymore. know how I feel about that though, because like the the nerf of the firing speed i think is already enough right like to I guess justify people on, yeah. to want to use the m4 because the thing is we thought the same with the cz though like that they changed like they nerfed three different aspects of the cz and it was still being used afterwards people thought it was completely unusable after that point and people still use the the cz afterwards anyway yeah. so i feel like this is just one of those things that we're gonna have to learn over the next couple of weeks as people try to experiment with it and see if it can be can be used in the same situations as, as before and which situations can be used so I, that's, I don't the, think, that's the thing i think i don't think you'll see a team with one orb and four orgs anymore no, like i think not, an no. org will be bought by like one maybe one player like maybe if you're the rotator in and connector on train and you can't afford an orb maybe you buy an org so you can post up maybe take an aggressive jewel and then you can rotate play the back lines inside if you need but if you have you're in a, if you're in a position like if you're like um the rotator on dust two so you go you set your long players up um and then you're the player who swings back towards CT spawn, there's no way that you're going to be using an orc because your position, maybe range-wise, you could play it so the orc's good, but the amount of close-range rolls that you're potentially going to have to push smokes, etc., the orc is going to be useless in those scenarios, right? Like just the firing rate, unless you catch a really good flash or a really good timing, the M4 is going to be better. Even though you might like get the dink and then it take an extra bullet or two for you to adjust your recall or whatever, I still think the M4 in those scenarios should be better. But it, it, the problem I see now is there will probably be a lean towards the T side because you, the Krieg, right? Like, what what the fuck's going to happen with that now? Like, the Krieg is maybe they'll they'll just adjust that as well once it starts being a little bit more popular because the AK is still quite a lot prevalent over the the Krieg. There's still not that many players who buy the Krieg twenty four seven. There's just a few of them. Yes, it has gotten better since since the the change actually came through. Um, like something like six months ago, but it has, but it had, the AK is still managed to prevail. So I don't think, I don't think that's going to be as noticeable at this point, unless like it starts shifting much more towards the Krieg over the next couple of months, because it doesn't I seem to be I don't on think that it way. ever will, just because of the yeah. mobility factor on the T side that you have to move a lot more, and that Krieg is slower to move around, and then especially with the scope, it's even slower. So I think that factor will always play into the AK being more popular than them for ever like was unpopular let's say like that honestly honestly i would like for valve to just keep the scoped version as it is and they just change the unscoped which is basically what happened just because of of uh, what i was saying earlier about like in what way they wanted wanted it to be used for the long 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 range battles and stuff like that where it is going to be prevalent over the m4 as long as it's not nursed like to oblivion where it's not usable anymore because yeah, why would you just want another M4? And I just, I would just want another version that is a little bit more apt for for long range battles. If you play positions like whatever battles on a site where you don't have an Alp or something like that, um, where that weapon comes in really handy, and and then positions where you are basically bound to get a lot of long range battles, whatever happens, unless you're retaking and stuff. There are a lot of like specialists, like of the weapon that we've like seen, especially with the Krieg. I think the Org. It'll be interesting to see teams having to go back to playing less aggressive angles, or maybe people will stay holding aggressive angles with the M4, and that might change like the way that the game's played a little bit. But obviously, you're not going to be able to they posture in the same way. Fast, I yeah, think. it'll get punished real quick. Um, like this is also one of the reasons why I wanted to mention this when we were talking about G2. I ended up not because I forgot about it. But when you think about Jax and his impact on on the CT side, especially that we saw in Pro League. 
League, a lot of it was based on the AUG, I feel like. A lot of it was was duels that we, he wouldn't have won with an M4, I'm pretty sure. Like, multi-kills that he would never have gotten with an M4, I think. And that's that actually counts for a lot more players, not just Jax. With Jax, it's just something that I mentioned with, like, several situations in a row, where he just got, like, ridiculous multi-kills that he shouldn't have gotten. And that was just, I think, only because of, of the weapon being pretty OP. So, so it's going to be interesting how these players who have just, like, started relying on, on the AUG a lot uh, are going to affect those players. And I, I don't think it's going to affect players like Elise a lot because I think he will be able to transition back pretty quickly. But some of these players who have just, like, risen up over the, over the last couple of months, it's going to affect a lot, I think. That was the question I was going to bring on in here. Do you think it would affect uh, Liquid? Because, like, obviously their period of winning tournaments has been while the org has been in the state. Yeah, obviously, obviously already saying the end of the Liquid era. It's it's the AUG in the Krieg. They'll never win again. But I, I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it happening, honestly. It I mean, could I, could, be. I guess I could have see Elish like, being affected for a while because, because he's just going to take a while before transitioning back. He's just been playing with the AUG for basically like eight months now since it got released or since it, uh, the price uh, was reduced. So I think I could see him be, being affected for a while, but not for for long enough for it to matter really, maybe like a month or something before he, he adjusts back. Prof, you got anything on the AUG or the, or the, or the SIG, Krieg, SG, no, Scope, Terrace Rifle? I want, all I want is actually to, for someone to compare the, like the AUG and other weapons like like the UMP or the MP9 and stuff like that. Because when you think about it, obviously the long range scope thing is still going to be working, but the, the close range is where we want to know how is it going to be. Is it going to be like very shit or is it going to be okay? When you think about the, the CT sides, a lot of the time people can get like two kills with an MP9 just based on their positioning and flashbangs and shit like that. So it's not. I don't think it's going to be that big in in some in some sense if you if you play off your teammates how you should i think the nerf to the not not scope dog isn't gonna be like game break i think it's gonna it's gonna be a a pretty big change in the mid-range not in the in the longest one because that's where you can use the scope in most of the cases and not in the closest one because they're uh, like spray control doesn't even matter almost because yeah. you're so close to the to the enemy and that's also that one, take like them like one bullet kill potentially yeah exactly or... like you have a you have a quite a lot higher damage so with the with the nerve of the accurate range like it's just gonna add the accuracy itself it's just gonna be become less accurate on scopes uh the longer you obviously the longer battles you take so that's that's where it's gonna be where the, the yeah, big change is gonna come range, like yeah. people are not gonna be able to to just on scope on scope spray down people in mid-range like three three people in a row or something it's not gonna be possible anymore i don't think at least like the problem is like i haven't played like actively enough in so long that i don't i just can't jump into a server and get my own opinion on it because i'm just bad at the game i just can't i don't have a have a good enough um uh, skill at this point so that's that's one thing that i'm gonna say i just can't know exactly how bad it is but from what I tried and from what I saw, like comparisons of how accurate it is and stuff, I think that's what's going to happen. Like you, close range, yes. Long range, yes. Mid range, it's not going to be that good. You should do what I do. And I, I just mark everything to my level, right? If I go, like I try and play Counter-Strike as much as I can right. when I'm home. And I jump in and, and, I, and I'll play some bots with it so that I can actually get the recall and stuff down after an update will happen. And then I'll play a game. Right. And I'll like have a rough estimate of what my level was like before. And I'll be like, well, I, I that, that, I should have made that kill. Was that the fault of me or was that the fault of the weapon? And then like try and discern there. But 
Um, this is actually what I'm going to do when we finish tonight is probably sit there for four hours and play Vertigo and use the org for four hours. And the reason I'm trying to play a shitload of Vertigo is because it's my job to talk about it. So I want to make sure that I'm as well-versed as possible on the map. Um, because this is the first map that's come into the pool that I never had a chance to play competitively throughout my career. So we can bridge that into the Vertigo discussion. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw different teams playing on the map and their approach on the CT sides being more aggressive to the ramp. I had a couple of conversations with coaches and players about theory striking or theory crafting some plays and, and they were really excited about things that they wanted to do. Um, but I think, was it you, Striker, who said that there needs to be like a, a protective film or something? So I, that, that you can't that hear? One thing, that was one thing that I, that I suggested. I think if, if the lower and uppers, like if you couldn't hear from lower up and, and vice versa, I think that would have that, that would have changed quite a lot in terms of rotations because at this, at this point you might as well just walk the entire map because like you can be heard uh, from from so many different spots in so many different situations. So if the 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 noise factor wasn't there, I think that would have helped Vertigo a lot. But I think there's a lot more changes to be to be had for Vertigo to be Honestly, a, a, an exciting map. Before anyway. we get excited about that, I think from a game development standpoint, that was literally impossible to do just because sure. i don't know it I don't seems know that... seems simple because if someone is just above each other but what if someone is like near an edge and does how does that sound then travel yeah, yeah, because now sure. I... the way it travels is like it doesn't matter if it's through something but or i mean not. if you're on the edge you're at least close right so, at that, so yeah maybe but then it could they, be... there can be these borderline cases where the sound can be right. completely fucked up like people can run close to the edge and you can hear him that he moves like one step then you don't hear him I think what that. If you just, what if you just move the the lower part? Like, uh, what if you increase the distance between the two floors, right? If you make like a higher ramp or something like that, like that that should be uh, a usable case as I well, think, where you just like increase the, the distance so much that you just can't hear it. <laughs> I think you just part. need to make rotation pathways that are not directly under and over like mid that's yeah. that's the whole issue because yeah. the cities when they rotate they rotate mid and if you yeah. have the forklift area which everyone has because it's so easy to have and if you're not there you're an idiot so if you have one player there and you fake something you hear all of the cities rotating so that's that's stupid that can't happen so if yeah. that position can be taken by the cities then the cities can freely rotate and then the T's need to have a different pathway of rotation through the map, which is not down under the under the bridge. So then, obviously, people sitting on B cannot hear all of the rotation, and that's the whole thing. I, I just want to give one last impassioned speech because I know that the two of you are relatively sensible individuals. But for all the viewers out there in in uh, Counter Strike Town and the players out there too, and, and anyone who who says you know fuck Vertigo, your opinion could be that <laughs> I it's said a, it a couple of times on, your, on Twitter. Your opinion the past can be. I don't care if your opinion is the bad map, but the two of you live in the realms that Vertigo is in the map pool right now. And we all need to live in the realms that Vertigo is in the map pool. We all need to live and understand the fact that Valve, no matter how much you bitch and moan, are not going to remove the map from the map pool. It is there. It will be played at the major. This is what we're living with right now. What we should do is completely understand that no, mod no matter how much you yell, no matter how much you scream, I don't care if you get Gabe's son and you hold him hostage, they're not going <laughs> to take the map out of the map pool. Do not take Gabe's son hostage, please. I know some of you are crazy. That <laughs> yeah, um, wasn't a good thing to Jesus. say. I thought about it after. I was like, there's probably somebody <laughs> out there who will try and do that. I d definitely do not do that. <laughs> and please. then tweet at Sponge. You see, they did take it out of the map pool. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but my point here is the best thing that you can possibly do is play the map. Because what Valve will take from you playing the game is a sample. 
and they will see the way the map is playing and they'll adjust it from there. The only other contact that Valve give a fuck about is the players and the players do not have enough time to give proper feedback. The people who do have enough time to give proper feedback, unfortunately, do not get given the time of day in those discussions. So Vertigo does need changes. I feel like that is definitely the case. But let's talk about those changes openly. Let's apply a little bit of knowledge here and let's do it that way. And let's not rock up to any events with fuck you chat on your shirt and threatening, or sorry, not threatening, suggesting that you would like to fight me on the stage. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. That's a, that's a great idea to avoid that. All right, the viewer's topic. Here we go. Moving on. We're done with all the fucking nonsense of before. Which one won, Lucas, Mr. Producer? Here we go. You won't believe it, but it's Who would have thought? So, ladies didn't and gentlemen, we, boys and girls. Say, or didn't, didn't we just like collectively agree on the fact that we're not never going to mention Cloud9 until they do something? We did, but this is a good something. Yeah. So, yeah. This, is a pretty, this is a pretty good I uh, like topic. This. For those who aren't aware, it looks like the Cloud9 roster change will be having an addition of 10s, the uh, youngster or the, the, up, the up-and-comer from North America who plays FPL and, and kills lots of people. Uh, Kusta, who has recently been released from Ghost. Daps, who just made it to the semifinals of EPL alongside of Automatic and I assume Rush. Yes. Now, I like the fact that they're going back to a full North American model. However, I still think that roster is probably two roster changes away from being anything that can compete with um, a European team of a decent caliber. I'm going to uh, assume that I, those I like two the roster changes you're talking about are a Russian Kusta. Is that right? Yes. My suggestions instead of Russian Kusta would be Wardell. I would pay that buyout. I, d- yep. I don't give a fuck. I would get Wardell and I would probably replace Rush with another young player. Um, and I, the only player I would keep from that team would be Sonny. I would make sure that the entire team is Sonny? North American based. I wouldn't do I wouldn't Sonny? do any, any more mutant teams. Keep your Europeans in Europe because I lived in America and nobody wants to live in America other than Americans. So let's just keep it that way. What did so you let's say get... you, you, you should have kept? I think he they meant automatic. Kept... He just said sunny because people are spamming. Why did I say? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Keep automatic. Yeah. Automatic. Okay. I thought automatic. the second one. Here's the team. Automatic. Daps. Fucking old mate Wardell. This rock star tens and fucking take a risk on that other kid, Whippy. There's your team. Fucking do it. I'll give you. I will give you six month leeway. Do it. Uh, Get it done. Yeah, I think when you look at this lineup, the Kusta, I, like it's not, it's not world beating. Definitely, I think the best thing that they did there is actually add Daps, and not because Daps is a world beater, but that they recognize that they're now pretty shit and that, that they need to go through the rebuilding phase. And Daps is a specialist in that, so get him and give him the tools to select players because obviously the the process of selecting scouting players in cloud nine has been uh, very bad very bad so if daps gets his hands on that selects like scouts a few kids and uh, picks them up in his van drives him over to the la cloud nine studios or whatever i think that that can work but i i don't think I'm really not sold on Kusta. Like I, you just, I, he's you been just around. Portray Daps like this creepy uncle who just yes. drives a van, van uh, and has like sweets in it and stuff. Kusta has been around for long enough that I don't think he has like he is stagnated. He's plateaued. The, what he is is just like an okay NA player. So that's that's it. 
Uh, so I think for Cloud9, that's not what they need. But okay, maybe for now, he, he'll just like, he'll be okay. Other yeah. than that, whatever Sponge said, I think that's that's more or less accurate. Yeah, I definitely don't like keeping Rush, even though th what I said before was the Rush started being shit at the time when Golden came in. So it just makes me feel like Rush just doesn't really agree with it or isn't comfortable with whatever style Golden brought on. So for 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 him to stay there when the the, the play style changes and Daps comes in, I maybe it's it's going to help him reinvigorate and, and just come back to to at least close to his formal level which in which case it would have actually been a solid uh, solid decision to keep him i'm not entirely sure that that's possible just because of confidence issues that he's probably facing right now because he's just been um pretty irrelevant for for quite a long time now because golden has been with this team for like almost a year so that's yeah that's 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 one other thing well uh, on and off with that with that break in in, in the end uh, in the light late 2018 uh, but still it's, it's just been too long since rush um, was anywhere near close to his to his like optic kind of level so i don't think it's possible for him to come back and i definitely agree with kusta just not being a very exciting player at this point like in ghost he was he had the moments that uh, made him look like a star player but he just didn't have them um consistently enough um, for us to consider him that way so yeah i would have definitely uh, tried to, to to find two different um players to to take in instead of them i just want wardell wardell is an obvious option by the way someone is saying that kusa gets gets proved in roles that everyone wants to op over them i don't really think that is true don't because so. no okay the simple thing in in liquid that was okay you he got bullied by simple okay obviously simple best player ever so he had the right to bully anyone he wants to get anything he wants but later on in the clg era he, it wasn't that cool style ricky didn't bully him off of the op it was actually a thing that cool style didn't want to op constantly that then they had this like double op set up swapping it around so from that point onward he was never actually a full-time opper because he didn't want to be a full-time opper not because someone else blocked him uh, that's the thing i don't even understand is he gonna be an opper here uh, if that that's even less uh, i don't know a good selling point for me i i just want to let people understand that this is a, a common thing because the op role is like uh, well how can i relate this to people it's kind of like being a striker in football Actually, I've never played traditional sports since I was like 12. So let's not use I was, that. I was let's a little bit confused again, as to we? where you were going yeah, to take Let's this. just go with this. I have played in teams where I have had, like you want to have somebody who's a secondary opera, especially for your CT sides, right? And I've been in teams before and I've heard of teams and I've talked to teams um, and I've played with players who is meant to be the primary opera. But if they're having a bad game or they have a bad week or they have a bad tournament, they're like, I don't want to op anymore. I want a rifle. And then your secondary opera has to take over that job. But then this other player, once he you know has a week on the rifle and realizes that he doesn't get all the fun roles, he doesn't have everybody flashing for him, he doesn't get to do everything he wants in a round, he actually has to support people. He's like, uh, I want to be the opera again. And those type of people are very difficult teammates because they, they're not clear on what they want to do. So I would say there's probably a little bit of that within Kusta or at least there would have been at some point um, because there was during when he was in selfless uh, he was a, he was a big fragger he was a he was fantastic on the AWP he was clutch he was everything you possibly needed but it has never come into fruition anywhere else so I think that might play part and parcel who have we not we don't really know too much about tens um, 
We know that Tim right. is constantly doing his thing. We touched on Rush. We thought you mentioned Daps in the scouting. Oh, I think by the way, Tim is qualified for the for the, for the minor. So just to to. But it doesn't matter because Cloud Nine aren't. So no, no, no. But uh, potentially, like he might stay until the minor and stuff, and, and Cloud Nine might take a little bit longer than um, than like the until Blast, for example. So if what's if what's the rush? You know, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh-uh. What's, what's the rush? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go downhill from here. Like the Cloud9 have reached with that performance in the close qualifier for the Americas minor, which they lost, by the way. Um, that Cloud9 have nowhere lower to go. Like this is the lowest they've ever been, and the lowest they will ever be. I don't think there's a there's there's any worse that you can go from here. So yeah, sure, just take the next couple of months, take until the end of the major to 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 make sure you got the right lineup that actually has future potential, and go with that. Because, like, yeah, at this point, you you have all the time in the world. All right. Well, have we come to the close of this one, boys? You got anything you want to add in on this? Yeah, we managed to actually fit it into two hours. This is impressive, I would say. Yeah, and they had to yeah. get angry a few times. There was a lot of hey, there was a lot of potential for like massive rants, and, and we've only taken like two or three of them. So yeah, I went pretty good, and and HLTV.org still decided to make a thread. Um, it's funny, like how these people can can construe the way that I am on a podcast or the way that I am uh, on social media, and and make those sentiments. Here's Fun the thing, behavior. Here's the, here's, here's <laughs> the thing, that. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Most of the time, my anger is directed at you <laughs> at home. Because you clearly are in need of some attention and that is why you vent out on social media because nobody else in the rest of the world is listening to you and I get it and I should just ignore you but Counter-Strike and this is literally my life. I know that you're probably going to your fucking dead-end job, stacking shelves somewhere talking about some bullshit and that's why you need to like vent at me. That's fine. That's cool. You can do whatever you need to do. But when it comes to Counter-Strike and it comes to having to spit the truth on some topics that I know more about than any of you, it has to be done and you need to be put back in your little fucking boxes because there needs to be clear conversation because if we're putting the wrong signals out there in the world and you guys are pushing for the wrong things, then Valve will do the wrong things. We want to make sure that we push for the right changes. We want to think. We want to give opportunities and we want to do all of these things that will facilitate the best possible outcomes for everybody because everybody in this chat right here, we all love Counter-Strike and that's the main thing that ties us all together. And there's another thing that I want you all to do right now when this podcast chimes down, unless it's two o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. I want you to give your mom a call. I want you to go see her or your grandma or your dad or whoever you got and just tell them you love them, all right? Because we love Counter-Strike. You should love your family. We're closing this one down. It's been episode 21. We'll see you next time. We're back on Saturday to talk about a few of the topics we missed. You can hear the fucking podcast in an audio version. Have me swearing as loud as you fucking want in the car. Anchor.fm slash HLTV. That's it. Love each HLTV. Other. Yeah, love each other. Lots of love. Goodbye.